Yo, this is Conan. You're listening to World of Wrestling Podcast with Tax and Rich. Boom. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the World of Wrestling Podcast. My name is Rich, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Tax Williams. How are you doing, uh, mate? I mean, that was a flat intro. Hello, Ooh. welcome to the World of Wrestling Podcast. It's almost like you've realized we're going to be doing 10 weeks of WCW in a row. Do you want me to do it more energetic, like a bit more Michael Cole being shouted at by Vince sort of levels? It's boss time! <laughs> Hello, everybody! Welcome to the World of Wrestling Podcast! To the millions not in attendance and the millions <laughs> watching at home. We and are doing WCW tax. I'm so happy. This is a time period like no other in the world of professional wrestling. And we're starting today uh, with Slamboree 1996, but we're going all the way through to the formation of the NWO. Because, again, like we both said, and we made reference to this on our, our bonus pod last week. Again, if you haven't checked it out, go and listen to it in the archives at worldofwrestlingpodcast.com. While I'm familiar with the formation of the NWO, I've never watched all of the Nitros leading up to the reveal of mm. the third man. And even though this is going to be quite a slog to get through some of the earlier shows, mm. I'm going to be interested to see how it forms. But that's and why it's, it's so good like... for podcasting because some of it is so fucking bad. But we're going somewhere. We know where we're going, you know. It's all about the journey tax. And just to, you know, I don't want to spoil the next sort of hour and a half of your listening pleasure... But it's almost like after this show, they realized, oh, shit, <laughs> we really need to do something. Yeah, WCW 96 was in a really intriguing place. Let's put it that way. But we had a conversation um, probably a year or so ago where we were like, you know, what what storyline should we do? And we've done a few trilogies and such. And we were like, we want to do a big block of shows. So essentially, we've got three months leading into the NWO formation which is, I think, the best idea for a podcast we've had so far. And and if you really, really hate WCW, definitely worth sticking around because but we're yeah, probably going exactly. to shit all over the promotion you hate. <laughs> but then there's some amazing shit thrown in here as well. There's some really good stuff, like across these shows at least. So, but Maybe before not we this get show. Started, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, before we get started, so obviously um, we're still a little bit out of sync of our regular routine with work, life getting in the way, but obviously we're still trying to give weekly content. We're mm. recording this on the evening before uh, TakeOver. We are. Uh, are you going to be watching this live? Yeah, I'll tonight? watch TakeOver, definitely. Because I've had one of those weeks where that everything turns from gold into shit. And I've decided, <laughs> you know what? I'm actually going to stay up and watch this. Something's <laughs> awesome. bound to go hideously wrong. But did you... I don't know if you noticed it in the news there, and obviously by the time this goes out, people are probably going to be aware of this. But were you aware that the Performance Centre has a new name? Yeah, it's the CWC, isn't it? Something like that. The Capital Wrestling Centre. Mm, named after sorry, Jess McMahon's involvement back in 19... 19- 53 and there's obviously all the hype about what it's going to be a whole new look a brand new feel very similar to what they have at the thunderdome but interestingly enough there's going to be a I think you up mean to the thunderdome but carry on sorry sorry michael cole maggle sullivan my son go to the say, thunderdome i got a bit like czw commentary from like nine, <laughs> the early 2000s you know but it's interesting. Oh my God. To, sorry, carry on. <laughs> yeah. 
I was going to say, it's interesting because tonight. Oh, wait, CZW's the, f- the Somebody Call 911. That's the call I remember. I did Joey Styles to start with. I'll stop interrupting you now. Please carry on. WCW, yay. Oh, it's a shame because I was going to make a, someone call 911 and then Brian Lee turned up. <laughs> Mini Taker, yeah. Yeah. He's over. He's um, over on this pod. But this is the first show tonight in WWE since pandemic they're going to have actual fans in Apparently attendance so. not just yeah. not just pc trainees sorry well, cwc trainees they did it once with the friends and family who weren't allowed to wear the masks remember kevin dunn oh yeah <laughs> and then covid spread and killed their card mm, yeah <laughs> indeed like it's killed their president or is he still alive <laughs> who knows find out next week on the world wrestling podcast <laughs> where you should get your political news However, please don't jump back in the <laughs> way back when machine, and we're going yeah. back to the nineteenth of May, nineteen ninety-six. Hang, 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 hang on, CWC oh. stuff. That, that's that's interesting. I am generally interested to see what's happening there. Yeah, I mean that's one of the reasons why I think I want to stay up and watch the show. Obviously, the and also as the clocks still haven't gone back here in the UK, it start the show starts at midnight, that's it, it's and as it's takeover. It's, Takeover is going to probably finish about half two in the morning. Mm-hmm. I can maybe get three and a half hours sleep before going to work. This could be good. And I think that the pre-show is at 11.30. I don't normally watch pre-show, but if they're going to go for like a tour of what they've done in the CWC, I'm be like, oh, it's it's the presentation factor that I'm interested in. Carlo yeah, Riley sure. in the main event, I think is going to be great. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the whole presentation is what's intriguing me to actually stay up and watch this. I mean, Carla Riley and Balor, they're not bad, are they? <laughs> like, uh, I may not be the biggest fan of WWE's either real slapstick storytelling style that you tend to see on Raw, for example, or like the extremity of the other direction that NXT can be sometimes where there's almost no storyline. It's all just sporting athleticism, you know. Uh, I like a mix in my wrestling show, personally. But that being said, no matter what lack of interest I have in the narratives, the uh, takeover shows have generally been always fucking awesome. So it's like, I'm going to watch them, definitely. Yeah, I, th- I think considering we're now, was it, 31 takeovers in, I think that from memory there have been one or two that have mm. not hit the mark. I think that's a pretty good average the of success. The problem being that a lot of those ones that didn't hit the mark are fairly recent. Yes, and I think a lot of that's to do with various talents being called up or out of action yeah. due to plague. Or, you know... <laughs> wrestling (laughs) (laughs) so go on do your introduction tell us when we're going back to so we're going back to the 19th of may 1996 i would have been nearing the end of my second year no i've been nearing the end of my first year of secondary school when this was kicking in i would have been 10 (laughs) so being able to go back and witness wcw because as I said, until the Monday Night Wars really kicked off, as we've spoken numerous times over the years on this pod, I wasn't overly au fait with the WCW product. I was aware that Hogan had gone there because I'd seen sort of pictures and magazines. and I didn't even know, know that until like WWE were mocking them in like 97, 99. I had no idea in 1996. But I, I certainly wasn't smart. It certainly wasn't flicking between... Bravo no, TNT and not. Sky Sports between the two. I mean, and was that even a thing in 96? I don't think Bravo had WCW in 96. I think that came a lot later. Definitely not. Yeah. Definitely not. I think you might have occasionally got a bit of this on one of the... Because I remember seeing some WCW, okay. not lots of it. I think it was like like Saturday night 
because they they also called their Saturday nights main event sometimes, didn't they? Uh, it wasn't just, been, just WWE who might did it. Have been like a European export thing that they did or something like that that they could get away with, but not in America or something stupid. I don't know. I seem but, to remember WCW I, Saturday night was a thing. Yeah. I always remember like the robotic entrance doors that yeah. you see when you see Savage's um, debut in the company. Yeah, and then they made it but, black and green afterwards. I seem to remember that yeah. silly set. And and the only things I remember are very similar to a battle brawl, um, which we'll we'll get through um, in Slamboree. I remember having like, like this odd bedfellows arrangement with with battle royal connotations. So in my mind, this concept, if they've done it before great <laughs> if this is the only time they've done it i may have actually had a brief interaction with this show maybe 20 years ago oh wow interesting okay so you but i remember nothing of it from I'll... this sort of tournament thing only the concept okay. only the concept i definitely don't remember the participants who won who did anything but i oh i remember it was basically odd bedfellows with a battle royal at the end as, as the victory i don't i I should have done better research rather than Scooby-Doo re- research like I did for the bonus <laughs> pod to see if they'd done this before, the lethal lottery sort of thing. Nah, who cares? Um, WCW, just enjoy the show. Go along with it. But, but also, the good thing is, I, I don't have to, from a research standpoint, go through what happened next because we're going to find that out on Nitro next <laughs> next episode. Absolutely, yeah. So we are, we're basically doing three months of podcasts, if you haven't gathered by now. <laughs> All WCW leading into that Bash at the Beach show. It's Bash at the Beach, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, where it has the formation of the NWO. So we're starting in May. And, oh, God, I did have it written down, but fuck it. The Bash at the Beach, whenever that is, the end of the summer, probably like September, something like that. So um, quickly, to go over the formation of the NWO stuff, okay, so... For me, I have a couple of questions going into this set of podcasts we're going to do. So was the NWO formation booked well? I think has to be, you know, the primary question we're answering here. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Was it essentially the turning point of professional wrestling? Yeah. The formation of the NWO? So, I mean, I don't know. I know how it's been pitched in, what would you refer to? like WWE documentaries or whatever. Where yeah, I've re- and same thing in Bischoff's um, controversy creates cash. How yep. he viewed the NWO being formed, how Virgil saw well. himself, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and how how it actually comes across to a viewer watching the three months leading into that. You know, I think that's really interesting. Uh, we'll find out whether we want to kill ourselves like three shows into WCW in 1996, but hopefully, there's a fun story to be told here. Um, well, if you want, if you want fun, you want the tagline of this pay per view. <laughs> Well, I guess that has to be part of the question is that, is it fun to watch as well? So it's not just about how well it's booked. It's, is it fun? So what is the tagline for this pay-per-view? Do you know what the tagline is? I what? think I might have Get. it written down tonight, but I can't It goes, it. what goes up must come down, dot, 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 hard. <laughs> <laughs> Who was booking this shit? It wasn't in Bushoff, was it? I think yeah. this might have even been dusty at this stage. I say we just start blaming Bischoff already because I think it'd be funnier for the podcast. Bischoff! <laughs> <laughs> okay, next question. Now, there's just a few points I think we need to like establish before we start this massive journey we're about to take to keep it like, keep, keep talking points almost, you know, rather than us just getting fucking WCW had enough, you know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is the wrestling good? 
I think is a really simple, good question to be asking here because <laughs> you never know with WCW. <laughs> Sometimes it's amazing. Sometimes it's fucking terrible. I know this is obvious, <laughs> but I think it's worth going over. Okay, uh, as, as as in just is the wrestling of the promotion overall good, or the book, or the, no, the like NWO booking the and wrestling good? The quality of the in ring wrestling separately from the booking stuff, you know. Oh well, I mean, because that's what people always say. They're always saying like, "Oh yeah, we had like Hogan and Steiner and Sting and stuff up the top." Sorry, not Steiner, Lex and Sting and stuff up the top of the card. But we also had Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, Chris Benoit, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, I want to know, is that mid-card and the quality of wrestling really as good as, like, Bischoff talks about it being? Yeah, I think that's interesting, because if this was my first viewing of a show, I'd like to hope my opinion evolves. But I also wonder if it's going to be very much like we find when we keep revisiting the Attitude Era, where we have this really lovely nostalgia feel about how good the Attitude Era was, to then come to it and suddenly go ah was there actually any wrestling in the attitude era yeah absolutely and i think the biggest question about this whole storyline going in is who else do they suggest on their television shows who could be the third man oh yes 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 because we've heard so many people say things and then basically try to prove that wrong and vice versa like you know did they ever suggest anywhere that mabel could potentially be the third man (laughs) no matter how subtly you know oh brilliant i can't wait okay i can't wait a few things on this show already where i swear swear down that they are going oh this person might be a heel as well as a face you know which could be suggesting they could potentially be the third man Oh, I fucking hate Lex Luger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're coming around. Anyway, so WSW World Championship Wrestling. Here we go. We are in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, USA. Hell of a place to start the pay-per-view run, eh, Tax? He- hell of a place to be. Yeah, for Baton sure. Baton Rouge. Uh, lovely when I've been there before. It's a oh, really, really there. interesting place. I was just going to yeah. be like instantly, let's mock Southerners. <laughs> no, re- really, really interesting, really welcoming place. But considering the crowds WWE was starting to pull in 96, again, we've, we've spoken before about new gen going into Attitude Era. Uh, I got 7,791 fans in attendance here yeah. at the Riverside. Um, was it Centerplex? Centroplex. Centroplex. Yeah, yeah. But that's, a, that's not a bad turnout for WCW, I'd say. Pay-per-view. You'd want to be doing more than that, like maybe 5,000 more. But, um, you know, yeah. it's nearly eight, eight grand. That's not mad. Still more than five star. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, I've drawn more than five stars. <laughs> so a live <laughs> and pay-per-view. I watched this on the network. Assuming you did as well. Yes, yes. Okay, so commentary. We've got Tony Schiavone. WCW Tony Schiavone, though. <laughs> Don't forget that. Uh, Dusty Rhodes. In Dusty Rhodes, baby. We can do this on the podcast all day. <laughs> dressed to impress. Slash dressed to not give a fuck. Okay. So we have a little guest commentary of Mike Tenay later, but we'll talk about that. But we also have a commentary for the whole show. I was so happy he's on these run of shows. Bobby the Brain Heenan is here, boys. What a beautiful sort of little added bonus to your meal. The extra bit. Even if you get to like... Oh, the chicken's really grisly, but these fries are really good. That's what Bobby Heenan is to WCW. Bobby Heenan is the excellent bit of meal to the grisly bit of meat. 
that we'll be discussing over the next year. Oh, I literally turned to Nandy as soon as I saw Bobby Heenan and was like, oh, this show might be terrible, but I get to listen to Bobby Heenan for two hours, so it's going to be okay. And him basically shitting over Dream <laughs> quite a lot of yeah. it. I loved it. But there is a couple of times in this time period where Bobby Heenan is mm, maybe too racist. <laughs> That's a weird <laughs> sentence. But usually it's very tongue-in-cheek, stand-up comedy sort of thing. But there's a couple of times with Bobby Heenan where you're like, oh, you're very close to the line there, sir. It basically makes the flying burrito look tame. Yeah, exactly. But, um, oh my God. Even in WCW in 96, when he probably doesn't give a shit still, he is on fire throughout this show. I I will say, as I've said it again and again, the best play-by-play commentator, I think, me personally, I've ever experienced watching it across whatever brand, he, whatever promotion he was in. 100%. So um, the crowd seemed quite full. Um, it looks about 70 to 80% capacity after seeing kind of bits of tapered off, like behind the hard cams, pretty much all tapered off. They show it at one point, but um, not a bad turnout, I'd say. No, and considering they've got TV at the moment, they're on they're on Monday nights on TNT. It's all good. Yeah. So we get the opening package with this amazing voiceover. I'm going to read the whole thing because <laughs> it's the beginning of this like series. We have to get it in there. Tonight, it also explains what's going on quite well, so we don't have to explain it too much. <laughs> it's a bit complicated. Tonight, the Battle Bowl. 16 teams of two battle against each other, pitting friend against friend, aligning friend and foe. Okay, so mix match, silly tag team couples. Ending with a battle royal <laughs> to determine the Lord of the Ring. <laughs> so the it's, a, it's a tag tournament where we know the end is going to be a battle royal. They never quite explained how there's going to be a battle royal, but we get there eventually. Um, and three belts are also on the line. The cruiserweight and US heavyweight, dot, dot, dot. And for the WCW World Heavyweight title, the champion, Giant, is challenged by Sting. It's quite a good main event to start on. Show against yeah. Sting. And also... It, it's good to know that uh, at this time, Giant had eaten the the from his name. <laughs> and we know at least we're going to get three title matches. Cruiserweight is usually fun with WCW. US Heavyweight can be a bit of a stinker sometimes, but there's been some good matches there, you know. Um, go on. I was going to say, and, and as we'll get to it, the Cruiser match, when I saw who was in the Cruiser uh-huh. match, bloody hell. <laughs> yes, please. The voiceover continues. Still stunned by the choke slamming of his tag team partner, Lex Luger it then cuts the show giving Luger a choke slam through a table seemingly made of matchsticks. Dubsy dub, dubsy dub. Live tonight from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It's Slambury ninety six. Great voiceover. Set the scene. It told, I just said I know it didn't go into the great detail of the um. The, the essentially the battle royal at the end to crown the number one contender or how they were going to get there. But it set the scene. You knew there was a title match. You had your storyline in the main event. Um, the story heading into this, though, is muddy as anything <laughs> I've seen in professional <laughs> wrestling. In, in which which bit are you think? You think in the whole show or just like... The, uh, the main event. Okay. The, the, for, the big, for the big gold belt, the fact that there's been... It started off with Sullivan, Hogan and Savage. my son. <laughs> um, 
Savage and Hogan going against the, and I quote the name, the Alliance to End Hulkamania, yeah. which was a formation of the Dungeon of Doom and the Four Horsemen. And uh, then it, it basically... Again? Sorry, go for it. <laughs> Sullivan, my son! <laughs> go on, Carol. Which is nice to know that Kevin Sullivan's near and still near the main event picture in WCW yeah. in 1996. Mm-hmm. But basically, it all came to a head when the Giant got pissed off uh, because in a tag match, I think it was between like, Sting and Luger and Flair and Giant, Flair threw like, dust in Giant's eyes, which then led to Giant challenging Flair and beating him for the belt. And then he got pissed off with Sting. It was like, right, you're the next challenger. I was like, all right. Great. I mean, the booking is just amazing at this time, isn't it? But the background story into the lead up to this was Sting accusing Luger of his loyalty. But every night on Nitro, when Sting got in trouble and the Giant was attacking him, Luger would appear to um, to help him make the save to prove his loyalties to the Stinger. They always put Lex in this bloody storyline. WWF did it before. Well, you know, Sting is Luger's mate, as we've again found out on many documentaries that... Bischoff offered him like a tenth of what he was earning in WWE going, oh, well, he won't accept it. At least I can tell Sting I tried. And then Luger called his bluff and went, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah. I'll take that. I'll take that guaranteed money. I'll come and uh, be in your main event. Because for someone who you don't give a shit about and pay 10% of my salary, you put me in a quite prominent position for a lot of 1996. Yeah, man. So um, there's a lot of gimmicks on this show as well. As in, like, what's the first one? They've got that tagline. Oh, God, I can't even remember. But then it's also got this tag tournament thing, which they call the Battle Bowl in the intro. And then the graphic on screen says Slambury 96 Lethal Lottery. <laughs> Do you remember how TNA on their first show couldn't get their single name of their show over at all? WCW have got, like, six different names for it. Leave that gauntlet for the gold lottery battle royal moss-covered family cadendra. <laughs> Basically the same tournament, though. And, and then Mixed Match the Challenge. <laughs> Mixed Match Challenge basically took this and they popped it on Facebook. Fucking hell. So we get Pyro for days as Shivoni welcomes us to the show. We've got the light blue ring with the yellow kind of circular, what would you call it, like an eyepiece on a gun almost, you know? Yeah. With the WCW logo on it, like the one, same one they had in the Spinny Universal Studios. Uh, that was a lovely description of it. Very nice description. Thank you very much, mate. Uh, black ropes, yellow turnbuckles. The refs are wearing light blue shirts and black blow tie, blah, 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 black bow ties. Do- shows the pit stains badly in the sweaty lights. <laughs> it does. Bad choice of refs color. Especially when these hot southern states, you know. Yeah. No, I, I went, when I did a few matches refereeing in SCPW, I was so happy in this case of black you just wear black so i thank god because i'm sweating before i even step in the ring (laughs) Uh, there's something uh precious about these wcw referees and their blue shirts and their little black blow tie but i can't say it black (laughs) black bow ties it wouldn't be wcw without it you know but it, it was coming to the end wasn't it this was the the end of the crockett sort of era yep I just every time they changed it, I was like, "Oh, just that's not you. You're WCW. This is what your referees wear, you know." Nick Patrick's neck was too thick, and he refused to wear a clip on, <laughs> so that's the reason why it changed. So our commentary team welcomed us to the show and put over this tag nonsense. 
Uh, <laughs> Heenan is working his socks off tonight. Very, very funny. Dusty likes the Sting and is worried the giant is going to choke slam his mate and stuff. Like, it's they do a right job about putting it all over, I'd say. They sell the story, don't they? <clears throat> yeah. So, um, first match of the evening, <laughs> we've got the tag team of Road Warrior Animal, who literally died last week as we were recording this. So, that sucks. We always said we always said you know the one of the first memories for us anyway, and especially British wrestling fans for SummerSlam, having the LOD and Paul Ellering ride down the aisle at Wembley on their bikes for the tag match. It's like oh, animal. Yeah, I was a massive LOD fan. They used to terrify me as a kid, but I just remember the pop at SummerSlam '92 and being like, that's the first thing I ever took. Like, oh, these guys are ass kickers. They're gonna beat someone to the hell and back, rather than just like, oh, this is entertaining and fun. You know, they don't suddenly go, oh, look, he's got a Mike Mazzanon pop. No, <laughs> it's a Road Warrior pop. Exactly. So Road Warrior Animal is tag teaming with Booker T. Sucker! Mate, full Harlem Heat Booker T in 96. What a badass motherfucker he is at this time. Whew. Absolute classic. Versus... Oh, hang on. Wait, wait, no. It, it was it was Hawk who was teaming with Booker T. <laughs> uh, are you sure about that? Uh, <laughs> I I've mean, got it down there. this is the problem with this tournament straight away. I've got it. I've got it. Hawk and Booker T against. No, no. <laughs> I've completely cocked up my notes. It's okay. Brilliant. I'm pretty sure it's Animal and no, Booker it's, T. It's, it's Animal and Booker T. Sorry. Okay. My apologies. I mean, listener, <laughs> if we haven't just summed up the problem with this tournament concept. Because on the other side oh, of the ring crikey. is Road Warrior <laughs> Hawk with Lex Luger. Boo. And so you have the Road Warriors on opposite teams with relatively generic big guy next to them, even though one is black and one is Caucasian or whatever. Like it's The, the story is basically they all get in the ring at the same time and fuck about. <laughs> so you have no idea who's on whose team. The Road Warriors end up ganging up on everyone at the end anyway. So you're like, oh, so they're still a, t- a tag team together. The whole thing makes no fucking sense, Sax. So dumb. Uh- and it was it was about seven minutes of just oh, brawl. It's, it's there's some things to point out, like the Road Warriors come out this horrifically terrible, like WCW ripoff of their WWF theme, and it's it's amazingly terrible. But like they come out in the 1992 red and black spikes, they look fucking awesome. Um, the, Lex gets some spooky pyro. Uh, Luger has more head forehead than face. <laughs> He's also got quite a lot of mullet going on. Bruh, it's 96. Still rocking the mullet. It's beautiful. Van Halen want their hair back. <laughs> um, uh, I'm just trying to look through my notes for this match, see if there's anything worth talking about. <laughs> I, my my favourite part was where they tried to tag in the Road Warriors to go against each other, and that's when it all kicked off and they just started beating the shit out of Luger. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that is the match. Obligatory comment about Lex's shitty selling, I guess. He's terrible. I mean, he's, he didn't. <laughs> he's the worst fucking seller in existence. So uh, I'll read. I'll just read my notes out from the fucking finish so just so we have something to say. So Luger and Hawk end up shoving each other over an issue. Uh, and Hawk saving Luger on a pin. Oh, that's what it was, yeah. 
And obviously, uh, Luger gets saved and then shoves his partner because he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> then Road Warriors go on autopilot and smash the fuck out of Booker and Luger. The ref rings the bell. The announcer tells us that both teams were counted out. Lots of question marks. Uh, I guess this is where the big boys play tax. Uh, I mean, to be fair, from a count-out standpoint, I suggest the referee's bow tie was too tight because I didn't see anyone count to 10 no. or 20 or 30. Um, but all I got from this was Booker T's really trying hard to make an effort. Uh, Road Warriors beat the shit out of people. Lex Luger needs to get more innovative gear. Our next match of the evening. Oh, and also my, my, other, my other joke comment was uh, Luger and Hawk start arguing about who's going to be going to see the pharmacist that night. I mean... That would have been more interesting than this. Uh, so, I mean... Oh, God. Let's play devil's advocate a little bit. So, it, the idea of the Road Warriors wrestling each other gets the crowd a little bit into the match. But we can't have that just in case later in the night we do get that with another tag team. Sure. So, next up, we've then got the Public Enemy making their very small WCW stint, as far as I remember, of Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge. Also, their WWE Network dubbed music, which is terrible, versus <laughs> Sullivan, my son, representing the Dungeon of Doom. It's the Taskmaster, with renowned racist Jimmy Hart. And <laughs> eventually... Oh, it's a bit awkward, isn't it? And, and the bloke who... Uh, Kevin Sullivan's wife left to be with. There you go. God, seeing these two tag together is weird. It's Sullivan and Chris Benoit. <laughs> I didn't know what to think or say or write. <laughs> all, I, all I got, um, uh, as you said, I thought, well, maybe, maybe I can go and do some sort of background research or if anyone else has had any thoughts about this t- this pairing. I was, the whole time as this is starting and you realise it's Sullivan and Benoit, that you're like, please don't make us watch Nancy's storyline over these next like six weeks. It'll be the most depressing shit ever. I've got this horrible feeling like these three months of pay-per-views we're doing are going to have that storyline. I think I think they do. But also, it, it puts it in this really oh, ridiculous no. frame of mind. Hello, <laughs> I'm Kevin Sullivan, this. and I'm going to put my then-girlfriend in a storyline to go against my adversary, who is, not to be disrespectful, a lot more athletic, <laughs> has yeah. got a lot more prospects, and doesn't have fucking Halloween face paint all over his face. Heenan and Dusty are hilarious on commentary going back and forth. All sorts of scenarios about them tagging and how, like, Dusty wouldn't trust Heenan and Heenan would be able to get the pin and all this sort of shit. They're so funny, man. Getting over the concepts of the, the Battle Brawl Lethal Lottery super duper tag invitational. Yeah, they're doing but their it, best. As you said, like, Heenan, Heenan's working and, and Dusty's just there. And I, I don't mind Dusty on commentary, to be completely honest. He's not going to ever add anything spectacular. I'm going to go, this is great. But from the face dynamic of the... Because obviously that's when they went for the three-man booth. They had the play-by-play. They had the color guy. And then they had the analyst. Mm-hmm. And Dusty was doing a decent role of the analyst, of the ex-professional. But he just... Yeah, he, he was really there to put over his mates and no one else. Yep. Sullivan is evil. 
and hold Benoit, his partner, on a table while the public set, set up, the public enemy set up to do their shit ass of a finisher. Uh, the drive-by! Fucking hell, these fat pieces of shit. So <laughs> Grunge flips over the top rope into Rock, who's on the apron. They both fall down and splat onto Benoit on the outside through the table. It's like 500 pounds of fat fucks falling off the apron onto you. Like, why? That's a dumb fucking move. Public enemy. EC dub. EC dub. The public enemy win. So, yeah. Uh, so, uh, the taskmaster managed just to get out of the way just in time. And yeah. he was so concerned. The injury of Benoit. I'd say uh, Sullivan selling on his way to the back. Goes, oh, my leg. My leg. It's pretty funny. <laughs> it's really hurt. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to say on this? Um, I love Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Sergeant, That's it. we've got Sergeant Craig, the Pitbull Pitman, name's way too long, mate, <laughs> with the godfather Teddy Long accompanying him. Hooray, player, player. And he loves roids and mullets. It's Scott Steiner, his tag team partner, versus, well, we got Rick Steiner and also, oh my God, tax. When I saw the name pop up on the screen, I was like, yes. We get to take so, the piss out of this. It's the booty man. Don't get confused with the boogie man, everyone. This is the booty man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So he's got the booty babe, Kimberly, with him as well. Okay, DDP's ex-wife, I guess, at this point. Or soon-to-be wife in 96. Who knows? I think soon-to-be wife because she was a Nitro girl, wasn't she, to start with, I Kimberly? I believe so. Don't know, to be honest. But yeah, the booty man. Brutus Barber Beefcake has got a booty gimmick where he's kind of like... Norman Smiley. Yeah, but shitter and a bit more like <laughs> flower powery. Oh, Brutus the fucking barber beefcake. It's uh um, oh, brut Bruti. The way that Kimberly reacts to the booty man is how I feel about the booty man. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's how anyone other than Hogan feels about the booty man. I mean this literally ties this show where the booty man will go to like, you know, help Kimberly up the steps or something. And she'll go, <laughs> I gotta pull away from him. <laughs> He's disgusting. He's a horrible piece of work. Good abs though. Oh, good Lord. Anyway, so oh, um, what a cracking booty. <laughs> this Craig, the Pitbull Pitman, Pity Pitman, Craig Sergeant Slaughter, whatever his name is. He's uh, an interesting character, straight out of the army, into pro wrestling, seems like. Yeah, um, similar to sort of the idea that WWE went with Lashley, except Lashley could work. Yeah, that's the idea. He seems ridiculously stiff and green in the ring. Ridiculous. I, good idea to try and showcase him in something where no one's really going to be paying attention because they just want to see the Steiners go against each other. And obviously everyone's yeah. there to see that draw the booty man. <laughs> but I, and again, I know the I whole know concept. Why he's got of, a job. It's fucking Hogan. <laughs> like seriously, well, how yeah. has he got a job? I understand the concept of, you know, the battle, the battle brawl, the lethal lottery, whatever we're going to continue to dub this is supposed to be random. So putting Pittman in this match with established stars, it, it, it's a good run out for him, but the Steiners or what, you know, <laughs> Again, let's check the notes correctly. Like Rick Stein is just going to beat the shit out of him. <laughs> Checking which team he's on. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, sure, <laughs> me too. So they basically repeat the, sh the whole fucking storyline from the first match with the LOD. It's the Steiners on the opposite sides of the ring to each other. And will they wrestle each other? 
Um, Shivoni has a fucking amazing line in this match where he goes, four men the people respect, like, and cheer for. And I'm like, you fucking liar, Tony. (laughs) Pretty bad to this match. (laughs) (laughs) So um, there's a moment where Pittman Germans Rick right on his fucking head. And Heenan goes, he landed right on his head. That won't hurt him. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's Rick Steiner outstanding oh, fucking great i mean Pittman's a piece of shit there isn't he jesus christ dumped him right on his fucking head dangerous dangerous sergeant mm. uh rick receipts Pittman a couple of times and it ends up with rick versus scott uh the steiners do wrestling on each other uh the crowd love it and scott finally tags in versus his brother it's pretty cool um sharoni has no clue what the different suplexes are called is the only note i've got here about that sequence there's nothing wrong with not calling moves correctly on commentary mate move hey, on he was doing germans <laughs> and being like oh saido suplex <laughs> like, come on tony these are basic maneuvers here <sighs> armbar <laughs> <laughs> booty man runs into the post Pittman locks in some of the worst looking arm locks i've ever fucking seen tags out tags in <laughs> puts in an armbar apparently called the code red code red yeah and i'm like please say that's the finish rick tags in rick gives Pittman a german suplex one Pittman moves his shoulders off the mat two three <laughs> and i'm like white privilege at work boys <laughs> <laughs> he just got screwed he blatantly kicked out i think you'll find that Pittman screwed Pittman. <laughs> <laughs> so um the winners are Rick Steiner and his very special friend. <laughs> Next Moving up, on. we've got the Blue Bloods. Thank God. When they came around the corner, I was like, oh, at least this is going to be a slight bit entertaining. Of Lord Stephen Regal and Squire David Taylor, the best combination of Blue Bloods. <clears throat> but they're accompanied by someone who Dusty Rose can't pronounce the name of. <laughs> Is it Jeeves? Is it Jives? Is it Gehevis? It's like he gives him 10 different nicknames. It's pretty funny. Tethafa. <laughs> Versus Jim Duggan and VK Wall Street. And immediately, I'm like, firstly, uh, the blue, the what they call the Blue Bloods got blue bloods. put in this random tag team together. Is that how this has happened? No, the guys that are in a tag team. <laughs> How random. It's almost like they'd be favourites to win the match against the uh, the odd couples. Hmm. So, Jim Duggan... Although we didn't cover that with Public Enemy, probably because backstage with everyone we're starting to have creative control going, I ain't fucking tagging with Rocco Rock. You lost me a little bit. What were you saying? Well, you were saying now, it's like, oh, isn't it odd that we've got a tag team put together? Oh, we didn't yeah, mention this fuck. with Public Enemy. Oh, yeah, that's a fair point. Same, same for them. Like They do it a couple of times in this tournament. They literally have the tag team, established tag team as random people that were drawn together and like mm, i mean yeah they had the american males on the bloody pre-show did not know that american males american males at least that means they might be coming up on one of these next few shows oh i do hope so (laughs) (laughs) so jim duggan we know who that is some people i would suggest quite a lot of people don't know who vk wall street is though his tag team oh yes Beautiful Mike Rotunda. IRS, buddy. One of our favorite wrestlers. In a singlet. It's weird, isn't it? He's not in a shirt and tie. He's just wearing a normal singlet. Stop being a bloody athlete. And then when I saw that, I thought, oh, Bo Dallas when he wore a singlet in the B team. Oh, it's all starting to make horrible sense of generic people people forget. <laughs> so it's um, 
Regal and Dave doing their over-the-top pantomime British thing is brilliant fun. You can't, you can't fault it. Even when Dave Taylor came in for a quick run in WWE when he teamed with Regal, it was anything those boys touched was really good. Regal is just a master of character. Yeah, but and and just Dave Taylor really does compliment it beautifully. I was never a massive fan of Dave Taylor, but then I think looking back on it, you see this sense of you, he can be trusted in the ring and trusted to do a good job with whoever he's in the ring with. The classic terminology of he's a very good hand. Yeah, absolutely. I think some people would take that as an insult, but I think it's a huge compliment, to be honest. Because, you know, we don't all need to be fucking Hulk Hogan's here. You know, we need to tell some stories on the undercard and keep people entertained and stuff. And that, that position Yeah, is and have good, wholesome values. Absolutely. You can't <laughs> all be Hulk Hogan. Like these lovely British gentlemen. <laughs> so, um... Meow. <laughs> Heenan has a great line. Where he goes, we're in Baton Rouge. I'm not sure these people know how to spell USA. <laughs> yes, that's so good. Uh, there's friction between Face Duggan and Heel IRS. IRS won't tag in at one point. So Duggan just walks across and punches IRS. I'm like, you bastard, you heel Duggan. <laughs> he, uh, Duggan then tapes his fist and knocks out Dave Taylor. Can he do that, Joey? He do that, Joey. <laughs> For the one, two, three. And your winners are the odd couple of Jim Duggan and VK Wall Street in a very short, kind of nothing he matched, to be totally honest. I mean, it was literally, as you said, IRS and Duggan had a little bit of a set to because IRS wouldn't come in. Duggan cheated and they beat the tag- an actual established tag team. Absolutely. Turned on his tag team partner. IRS was just busy, you know. Duggan punched IRS. IRS did not punch Duggan. Duggan shot first. Exactly. Outrageous behaviour. Put put bloody IRS in the NWO. Make him be the third man. <laughs> <laughs> Could he be? Who knows? There might be a suggestion down the line, no matter how vain. So, Wait, um, Duggan with a taped fist. He could be heel. He might be the third man. <laughs> you never know. Same with Luger earlier. They're like, the oh, NW. Oh, not sure about Luger. He could be a bad guy. Could be a good guy. Could it have been Luger? Oh, God, imagine that. So, <laughs> I have a look. The business would be dead. <laughs> I was watching this match between um, the Blue Bloods and uh, Duggan and IRS. And I had this weird question that came to my head. And I, the, I found it weird because I never thought I was thinking about why I've never questioned it before. Why does Jim Duggan carry around a big lump of wood everywhere? Hmm. Interesting. I've never thought about I mean, I assume very good carpenter. <laughs> but that's not his gimmick. He's just like Mr. American and he carries the flag. I mean, I know the gimmick why he has the bit of wood because he can use it in the matches and it's like if the bad guy has a thing, he can use it against blah, blah, blah. And if he has to turn heel and he's got a weapon he can use and that's over, et cetera, et cetera. And it's it's a bit of merchandise to sell as well. It makes him good money. I'm talking like the justification behind why that character would constantly carry around a lump of wood to the ring. He's meant to be a face. Faces aren't meant to bring weapons to the ring, right? Maybe they've gone to so many uneven arenas. He's like, I need the front row to have their chairs not wobble. <laughs> Maybe there's something missing from the ring. And he's always aware of terrible ring crews. <laughs> <laughs> like propping up I'm, tables in restaurants and stuff. Like, oh, I'll get that for you. I've got my two by four. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm going to have a quick Google of this. 
Why did Duggan have a two by four? Do you reckon he ever had like a character that would have been, I don't know, some sort of lumberjack or some shit? And it's just something that he realized got over. So he just kept bringing it to the ring every time. Oh, hang on. Duggan on the origins of using his two by four for his gimmick. Back in the old days, it was a much different business before sports entertainment. Just getting back and forth to the ring was very, very dangerous. So basically, uh, Duggan took it as a tool to protect himself from the fans. See, now I've heard that story before. Now you say it, it rings a lot of bells. I think I've seen a shoot interview where he's talked about it. But that's not a justification for the character. That's a justification for the person who's playing the character to protect himself. There you go. I'm not sure there is one, you know. I don't think there's a legitimate reason for why the character of Jim Duggan would carry around a 2x4 everywhere. And I, for one, am offended. <laughs> well, not, no, no, nothing logical in WCW. <laughs> I mean, it was a WF thing first, wasn't it? Uh, well, uh, yeah, and then basically he went on to say that, you know, he happened, looked down, and uh, it's, it got over. Hmm. Anyway, so, I mean, it probably would have been pre-WF take that back anyway so next up we've got alex wright and disco inferno oh kill me now versus earl robert eaton with jeeves aka bobby Eaton, and <clears throat> d-i-c-k-s-l-a-t-e-r-wise dick slater with colonel robert parker i had to do it like jeff jarrett because it's the same manager of course and you know <laughs> same in ring skill and character <laughs> i mean pretty much good to see uh, alex right happy to see alex right yeah disco inferno's here as well isn't he <laughs> just mopping up more of conan's shit i mean <laughs> <laughs> i like hmm i like alex Wright's music as a meme the it's just silly but it's shit silly right yeah i think disco inferno has the worst wrestling theme of all time at this time wow it's oh it's not even doing the proper like disco fever disco fever like good it's just really bad disco music and i hate his gimmick like, don't just dislike. I think Rock Disco Inferno might be the rest I hate the most in existence. <laughs> uh, considering Fandango tweaked the gimmick at a later date, it was like, uh. Fandango is fucking hilarious. I love Fandango. Never found anything I like about Disco Inferno. With the music, was this the time that Jimmy Hart was in charge of all the music in WCW? Um, I think maybe that was a bit earlier. Because he was more rock and rolly pop stuff, wasn't he? There's probably a few here, but I think this is more just kind of generic music base almost, you know? I might be wrong. Good thing this match was a long one, though. <laughs> I mean, commentary. Uh, they, they, they give so little fucks about this match. They are constantly talking about Macho Man Randy Savage on commentary throughout the whole thing. They don't, they just, I mean... Neither do the fans. The fans are silent in this match. No one gives a shit. And neither did I, to be honest. <laughs> disco does some shitty disco dancing. Dick Slater smashes a cowboy boot over Disco's head. Thank God for the one, two, three. <laughs> and your winners are Bobby Eaton and Dick Slater. Quite a fun, rednecky WCW tag team. Bit weird that Bobby Eaton's got the British gimmick, but... The blue At this one. stage, with the number of teams who had qualified for the next round, I started thinking... 
well, who the hell's going to win the title match at Great American Bash? Yeah. Because <laughs> all of these are shit. Because that's the thing, is that if you win that Battle Royal at the end of this tag tournament, you get a shot against the big boy belt, you know? That's right, isn't it? Yeah, at Great American God, Bash. This, this is so stupid. <laughs> where we where we finish our where we finish our little run of shows at the Great American Bash. Can you not see Dick Slater challenging Sting or Giant? Uh, well, no. fuck all that shit. Because <laughs> next up, we've got okay. So it's dubbed over on the network, but because it's DDP in WCW, we have to do the. Self high five, bang! Every time I hear smells like Teen Spirit, I go self high five at the end. Everyone loves a reverse chord progression. Every time there's DDP on this show or this series, I'm singing that fucking music. Anyway, so it's DDP and the Barbarian. Sorry, I'll introduce the actual match, shall I? versus okay wait hang on so this barbarian is this the same barbarian that was in wf in that big tag team yeah you know the samoan barbarian after the other guy got ate some bad fish they're they're not the same are they they are it's the same barbarian yeah is it really so he was much much bigger and roidier and stuff yeah definitely okay because this guy looks a bit shorter as well so i wasn't sure whether it's the same person and dear 90s wrestling friends, remember, do not get confused between the Barbarian and the Berserker. Mm, I used to get confused between those. Anyway, so it's... I mean, to be fair, you had the big three lads, which is the, Barbi- the, 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 the Barbarian, the, the Berserker, I'm calling him Barbar the for the rest of the match. So don't worry. Barbar. <laughs> <laughs> like the little elephant, remember? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Oh, elephant. <laughs> I've enjoyed watching Tinga Tinga, so that's the only thing I think of when I hear an elephant now. <laughs> what? Just, we've totally lost each other. This is I, great. I, I'm, I'm very tired, but Tinga Tinga Tales on on um, CBeebies, mate. Get on it. Mate, we're so deep Your daughter will love like, it. Weird steep cuts and stuff. Fuck it out. So it's Diamond Dallas Page and the Barbarian, a.k.a. Barbar, versus Salomon, my son! It's the Dungeon of Doom team. Of Meng fucking A and some other fat cunt I don't like. <laughs> it's humor, oh, humorous, humorous. Oh. Huge erection. Yeah, what's his real name? Hugh, uh, Bill DeMott. Yeah, fucking piece of shit. He turned out to be apparently. It's amazing what happens when you let um, Giant Bernard take over your coaching and how many <laughs> good takeovers you have after that. Exactly. Talk about uh, shitty gimmicks. <laughs> he laughs. He's fat. Hang on. Wait, so I mean, that's me, my gimmick. It's me, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he does a moonsault, you know? <laughs> like, what? Why? Because he can. Oh. He's a bit. He's big. He's fat. He's a demon in the sack. Humorous. <laughs> So there is one interesting bit. You've got the faces of fear, aka Barbarian and Meng, on different sides of the ring. But I mean, again, this is the same gimmick we've done twice already. So hmm. I would have preferred the titans to be a bit more random. So it was a bit less obvious they'd completely set up the whole tournament. You know, if you're going to do it, go full force and do it. Yeah. Dusty booking. Yeah, it is, isn't it? So DDP and Meng do weird, shitty laughing at each other and but that kicks off the match and you're like oh this is not going to be for me 
DDP does an eye poke. Uh, Meng and Barbar are bad looking motherfuckers, to be fair. When they get in the ring, they are beating the shit out of people. They're kind of fun, I guess. I like the big brutey boys. Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll save that comment later on. So DDP interferes uh, from the outside, right in front of the ref. Can he do that, Dewey? Outrageous. Stopping Hugh from coming off the top, doing his no laughing wankery. Um, tax. What are the rules? This finish. There are no rules <laughs> in a battle brawl lethal lottery. Do you want to go over the finish here? Can you explain this to me? Because I was just like, what is happening? Okay. So after a lot of back and forth, Meng delivered his Savot kick to DDP. And Barbarian delivered his uh, kick of fear to Mar- <laughs> Hugh Morris. Best name. And the faces of fear simultaneously pinned DDP and Hugh G-Rection. However, DDP had his foot on the rope and the referee counted the Barbarian's pinfall. So DDP and the Barbarian go through by virtue that DDP had his foot on the rope. I believe this is what you call booking. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, it's an interesting finish. We haven't seen it so far in the in the 83rd tag match of the show. <laughs> so the whole DDP's foot being under the bottom rope. Yeah, fine. They go on to explain it. But there's about four minutes when the finish of the match happens. They declare not DDP the winner or whatever. Or no, DDP's team the winner because his foot was under the bottom rope, but the other guys wasn't. God, explaining this is stupid. Um, but it just basically takes them forever to get there. So you're sitting there going, huh? But DDP was covered first. So surely he would count that pinfall first. Yeah, the referee can't count two sets of shoulders down. And if he, if he saw his foot under the bottom rope, why did he count to three? That finish happens all the time. And they're just like, oh, yeah, that's the end of the match. Pillock. <laughs> I mean, WCW. Yay! Um, at this stage of the show, I was like, I really, really <laughs> like tag wrestling. I feel I've not, I've been cheated by... But it's hilariously bad. It's good because it's so bad, you know? Not like it's... Scooby, where we're just bored. Rogue? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to, to maybe they should have maybe they should put Scooby in this tag match <laughs> well, that would have made it less fun to be honest <laughs> at least he can do lucha spots <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about go back in the archive worldofwrestlingpodcast.com listen to our bonus pod where we did the Scooby Doo Wrestlemania mystery last week yeah or go back and do the Marine which is a funny podcast <laughs> <laughs> hang on why don't you have sponsors on your shows yeah. I like Tom's insight. Don't get me wrong. Tom's not the problem. It was the show that we selected to watch that was the problem. We'll get Tom back on the show at some uh, some blah, at some point in the future, and we'll pick a better show to talk about. Trust me, it'll be better. Anyway, so uh, Shivoni kind of agrees with us about this show because he takes a big sigh into the microphone <laughs> and goes, talk about nonstop wrestling action, folks. <laughs> He's so sarcastic. It's hilarious. I, when he first started talking, I thought he was going to say... <laughs> Nonsense is what I thought he was going to say, <laughs> which is basically what we describe Brit wrestler nonsense. I mean, everyone's favorite heel character. That is almost how he does it. Like, if you just take a second, he goes, Talk about non stop wrestling action, folks. <laughs> like, such a piece of shit. You're being paid so much money to do this, and you're just taking the piss so hard. Good thing, though, that we get some excellent tag team wrestling next. 
Good lord. So next up, as continuation of this fucking tournament of Big Bubba, the boss man, and Stevie Ray of the Harlem Heat as a tag team versus Fire and Ice. Who's in Fire and Ice tax? I thought to start with Iceman King Parsons. I was so, so hoping it was going to be, but unfortunately not. No, just just got Norton and the Ice Train. Yeah. So, uh, Fire and Ice, eh? That's quite a gimmick they've got there. <laughs> Isn't that what um, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville called themselves oh. for a while? Oh my God, this gimmick. It's Scott Norton. I'm assuming most people know who that is. And then this Ice Train fella. <laughs> Just both fat guys in leotards. <laughs> They're like, fire and ice. Yeah. I think to show how little people would probably hear of Ice Train, I think he ended up being part of Bill DeMott's little faction. <sighs> you know, when they did their little army thing, I think he was M.I. Smooth. Okay. <laughs> fire do you remember ice. they had the female? <laughs> do you remember they had the female valet with the huge badonkadonks called uh, Major Guns? Yeah, she ended up being a porn star or something, didn't she? Classic Bischoff. <laughs> but Bischoff! Dusty has this fucking so dusty line on commentary where he goes, Scott Norton is so powerful. The man has so much power. <laughs> I was like, yes, Dusty. Double statement for the win. Oh, it's so he's, good. He's kicked his leg out from his leg. <laughs> Scott Norton is so powerful. The man has so much. Wait for a second, trying to think of anything that isn't the word power. Power. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fucking hell. Oh, on the subject of power, Will Hobbs, stop stealing Will Power's gimmick. Jesus Christ, Will Hobbs. Uh, Gone over my head a bit. AEW signee. Yeah, I know the guy. Why is that uh, stealing Will Power's gimmick? Keeps on going on about having Will Power. Will Power. Screw you, Will Hobbs. I don't think I've seen one you of his athletic, you, you athletic beast. <laughs> yeah, it seems like he's got a bright future. But So, um, Big Bubba, not in a shirt and tie either. I'm like, um, excuse me, is this like non-uniform day around here or something? <laughs> what are <laughs> That's you doing? the best line of the pod. <laughs> Boss man. No, mum, no, mum, I don't have to wear a tie to wrestling tonight. Shut up, Kalisto. <laughs> Boss man's a policeman. He's not wearing his fucking uniform. IRS is a fucking tax accountant. Not wearing his uniform either. (laughs) Like, what's going on? This is this did not sit well with me. So, in the words of the great Big E, this is big men bumping meat. And what a lot of meat to be bumped. Pure horse, man. Everyone in this match is over like fucking 300 pounds. They are monsters. Big Bubba bumps into Stevie. Fire and Ice give Boss Man a shoulder block. <clears throat> a shoulder block. For the one, two, three. Fuck this company. Fire and Ice win. I mean... Everyone uh, says there needs to be more double team moves in tag team wrestling. <laughs> the double shoulder Far and ice. Yeah, they've got a finisher and they're going to keep to it. Get it over, boys. It's Stevie Ray and the boss man. They get beaten by relatively green ice train, it seems. He's not very fluid in the ring, to say the least. 
and Scott Norton in their fucking leotards of like one's red because he's fire, the other one's icy and blue because he's ice. Fire and ice. <laughs> get it? Because someone's trying to jump on the glacier promo we're going to see shortly. Do, do you get um, it? Do you get it, Tax? One's fire, one's ice. <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I'm a dumb wrestling fan. I just don't get it. All I got here was, oh my God, Ice Train's going to be going against the, for the big gold belt at Great American Bash. <laughs> oh, one doesn't work without the other, though. You have to have fire and ice, Tax. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, but you know that that ice was kicked out of Earth, Wind, and Fire because it just wasn't good enough. <laughs> yeah, damn his ice with him, <laughs> mate. Jesus. They gave him a shoulder block and pinned the big boss man in like under a few minutes. A shoulder block. A shoulder block. <laughs> uh, my my notes my notes were like, oh um yeah malfunction at the junction and that's it jesus Christ. pointless okay so moving on here we go on final and- match of round one by the way <laughs> ladies and gentlemen if you're if you're keeping score we're at our end of the podcast and we've only got through round one of the leaf of the lottery we're doing the whole tournament in one show just remember that <laughs> we've got a while to go yeah wc dub 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 on anderson and eddie guerrero yes please versus Randy Savage and Rick fucking Flair. Oh, Arn Anderson and Rick Flair are on opposite sides of the ring. Savage is ter- teaming with Flair after their WrestleMania stuff and Eddie Guerrero's in the match. And I'm like, this has got to be good, right? It has to be good. Oh, I wish it had been good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, come on. There's some stuff here which isn't absolutely terrible. Like There's the storytelling. <laughs> Did you just want more fire and ice? Is that the problem? Uh, that's all I want in my life now. <laughs> Whether it's Sonia Deville and Mandy Rose or Scott Norton and Ice Train, that's all I want. Fire and ice. Oh, so, talk about storytelling. You can't have these people in this match and not have story because they're going to be like, no, we're just going to do whatever the fuck we want, Eric. Fuck off. <laughs> Flair's music plays, but no flair commentary instantly putting over something must have happened macho's music plays and here comes randy savage but laugh my fucking ass off rick's music plays flair runs to the ring on is already beating up macho's leg flair hops in the ring turns and starts kicking the shit out of macho too and i'm like this is awesome and then slowly liz and nancy come to ringside uh which i guess is part of this but the storytelling here is fucking hilarious. Like the horse and just being like, fuck your rules. I'm just going to beat up Randy Savage. Yeah. With Nancy and um, Liz coming to the ring, they're, they're part of this like alliance to end Hulkamania. So they're basically swanning and uh, preening for Ric Flair. Yeah, exactly. Um, So Flair tags in Macho with an elbow to the head. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Laying on go to town on Macho. And that's kind of the story of the match. It's, it's uh, you know, Rick tries to get the best of uh, Macho in any way he possibly can. And sometimes they'll change it up. So, like, it'll be Eddie and Flair having these exchanges, which, to be honest, are a fucking treat to watch. I mean, having Eddie and Flair at this stage of Guerrero's career was an absolute treat. Yeah. you would lovely. You would have thought, you know, seeing these exchanges as a booker, you'd be like, Let's book that for six months. Just let Eddie and Flair have a run, you know? 
but you know they're not fire and ice so don't worry about it <laughs> got the nwo to book uh <laughs> so any did you hear the ice train could have been the third man Uh, there's this brilliant bit where even though Flair is acting up the heel, Eddie's in the ring with him. And so they do this whole dirtiest player in the game spot where Eddie pokes Flair in the eyes. And I was like, it's kind of banter. It's great fun. And for Flair to let Guerrero do that yeah, exactly, as well. Yeah. It was really, really, really nice touch. I wonder whether Eddie would have mentioned it. I'm just going, nah, fuck you. I'm the bad guy here now. <laughs> <laughs> so Macho jumps Flair. On DDT's Eddie, his own tag team partner, Flair covers and pins Eddie about two minutes after Arn's DDT. Poor Eddie, having to sell this for the one, two, three. And your winners are Flair and Macho progressing, even though they're beating the shit out of him. Great storytelling. Easily the best story of the card so far in this god-awful tag tournament. Yeah, absolutely. So um, post-match, Flair and Arn hold up Macho for Liz to slap in the face, which is quite a nice moment. It's uh, it's a bit of a premonition when you think back to, you know, the Macho and Flair photos from WWF and everything. How Liz is now against Macho and with Flair. It's like almost a premonition. I like like essentially the callback to what has been in the past. Mm. So if you are familiar with both products, obviously we weren't aware of this until coming into this run of shows but really really enjoyed it and obviously knowing now what i didn't back then just those little nuances for the for the you know very uh, smart mark fan back in the day this would have been even more enjoyable i think absolutely absolutely man so tony Schiavone tells us that we have completed all the first round matches in the tag tournament Hooray! <laughs> one round down. This, at this stage, I thought, round one? Yeah. What? It's when you go, you realize, oh, there's going to be a draw from round two and it's going to be tonight? No. <laughs> Shit. And then my maths brain kicked and I was like, hang on a minute. We haven't had enough matches. <laughs> <laughs> Did we not? No, because the team got a bye. Oh, yeah. So that's the problem for the next round is that they do explain it, to be fair to them. The one team is going to get a bye due to the LODs mess around early with the double DQ thing. Or count out. Sorry. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Remember the count didn't actually happen, but whatever. Let's move on. So WCW Great American Bash ad. They do this family barbecue thing. It's really weird. Um, the WCW shaped meat on the grill. I'd eat it. I'm pretty hungry. <laughs> Sounds good. So Mean Gene is with Angela, Melissa and Kim. Hooters. I'm so annoyed I missed a Sean Stasiak reference <laughs> there with meat. I'm furious at myself. <laughs> That's fine. Don't worry. It wasn't actually meant that way, but it could have been. So let's just move on. Unless you want to do it now and I'll splice it in. No. <laughs> the moment's passed. I'm just pretending like I edit this podcast because usually I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> my my favorite part is the intention to edit it. And then you listen back and suddenly go with the comments of, I'll edit that out. <laughs> my little... I never do. <laughs> Yeah. The, I mean, to be fair, the only one that you have edited is a speaking out episode because we both mm. probably feared for litigation. Yeah, I just cut the first hour of the podcast we did, which is just, like, just <laughs> screaming about bullshit. Anyway. That anyway. podcast, which basically ended with, um, buy a t shirt. Uh, <laughs> see you next week. <laughs> so, Mean Gene is with Angela, Melissa, and Kim, our Hooters girls. Hooray. Apparently, they do. Hold on, what? 
Have I watched The Host? It's very good. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> I just got a text. I was like, what's going on? Anyway, the Hooters girls. Apparently, they do a draw for round two. Um, the team who get a bye is... Go on. I still want to talk about the Hooters girls before <laughs> we get on to this. <laughs> Let's just do the segment that we can talk about. So uh, the bye is for Fire and Ice. Literally, no one in the arena gives a shit or reacts in any single way, shape or form. Because Ice Train's a main eventer. <laughs> Dick Slater and Robert Eaton are going to be wrestling Duggan and VK Wall Street. I wonder who's going to win that one. <laughs> but you may be surprised. Uh, but we're not doing the whole draw now. We're going to come back to this later. But the Hooters girls, go ahead. There was one who was definitely trying to be on TV giving the uh, the fuck me eyes to the camera. <laughs> and there were, there were two who basically looked like they'd already been rogered backstage and were struggling to stand. Pretty much. They did not look in good shape. I feel like they'd had three rounds with flair. They've probably done fucking 12-hour shifts and had a couple of drinks after work. <laughs> and, like, you know, Bishop's popped in and be like, all right, ladies, want to make a fiver? Want <laughs> to make a fiver? <laughs> it's WCW. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to lie. That's pretty much the standard <laughs> standard practice of Brit rest. <laughs> right, love. Want to make a fiver? Want a hot dog? <laughs> want to be oh, famous? Is <laughs> I'll make you big. <laughs> <sighs> so yes, yeah, so we're not doing the whole draw now. We're just doing some of it. Me and Gene is a filthy old bastard, isn't he? Hey, where, where, where are you drinking later? Yeah. <laughs> oh, He's literally Gene. staring at this girl's tits like. 10 inches away just staring at her tits like oh no i'm just looking at your name tag love like what the fuck are you moaning about and like there's a hilarious bit at the end of this because they think the cameras have cut away but they haven't quite yet and all three hooters girls like spread away from mean gene as fast as they possibly can as soon as the segment ends oh it's like an atom bomb going off they just dissipate away from mean gene you know wait brian clark wasn't there Adam Bomber fans love it. So next up, we've got our WCW World Cruiserweight title match of the man of a thousand holds, our champion Dean Malenko. Fuck yeah. Versus Brad Armstrong, who was the uh, challenger in the first ever WCW World Cruiserweight Championship match, as far as I remember. Uh, yeah, because it was the, this was to crown it, wasn't it? Um, pass. I so, thought sorry. they'd already done it. I thought Dean Malenko was coming in the champion. Champ, sorry. Lovely belt. I quite Ooh. like the cruiser belt. Yeah, absolutely. WCW cruiserweight belt's lovely. Probably um the best named and developed cruiserweight division ever, I'd say, WCW. Considering I think it's had. fair to say it's the only cruiserweight division that's ever been developed. In America. You can't take away the IW uh, the IWG. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Stuff, oh, yeah. sorry, I'm talking just US yeah, promotions. Yeah. Sure. So Shivani tells us this is the first ever WCW cruiserweight title match on pay-per-view. Nice. A uh, great series of grappling to start. These two are generally really fucking good. Um, what do you think of Dean Malenko's non-gimmick, almost? He was just technician. I think that still they were... They signed them based on Eddie versus Dean from ECW. That's why they both got signed. I still, to this day, believe that's why they got brought in to do all that stuff. 100%. S so Dean's Bischoff can claim whatever I, the fuck he wants. He's a lying piece of shit. ECW yeah, discovered he, them. They brought them in. Yeah, exactly. They saw that match and they were like, "I want to do that on Nitro because that will get me views and good stuff at Turner." Because they're two of the greatest but, wrestlers of all fucking time. I th I think the problem with Dean was 
the non-gimmick always held him back. But I also think the non-gimmick worked because of his size. Mm. Had Dean Malenko been a foot taller, he would have been a main event talent. I think there's also an element of um, almost nerves of having something outside of this sort of, this is my character, I'm just going to go out and do my job. You hear like Dean Malenko talk now and he's very sarcastic and very funny and really entertaining sort of chap. But you put like a, a fucking humorous gimmick on this guy, it would not work. It's he's Dimalenko, bro. That, that's it. It worked a little bit when he was trying to woo China in the early days because I didn't didn't he have like but a it's the non gimmick that China? made it entertaining because like he's not really that lovable sort of like risque character. So when he starts doing that, it's that disparity that makes it entertaining and funny. You know. I suppose it sets a foundation work for, for the future. But that that's the thing for me. For for Malenko, as a young wrestling fan, it just did nothing for me. When he came yeah. in as a Radicals, he was just boring Dean Malenko. Even though, even though him, this time I would have watched this match and been like, eh, it's not for me. But even Dean Malenko with that match of the night with Scotty Too Hotty, when they did like their cruiser match at one of the, like either the Sunday Night Heat or an opening match card of a pay-per-view in the early 2000s. Right. Going back and watching that, him and Scotty Too Hot, he tore the place down. Cool. I mean, generally he has very good matches, but um, let's see. So Dean sneakily kicks Armstrong in the knee off of a lockup. I thought that was a really nice touch. Like, really just like, why wouldn't you do that normally? <laughs> He's great. a heel. <laughs> exactly. Dean walks, works over Armstrong's knee, setting up for the cloverleaf. You know, Dean's matches are a lot of the similar stuff at the moment. He's very, he's here to get the job done. He's going to work over your knee until he can do lock in the cloverleaf for the win. Which did get a bit boring at times, but it's logical and smart and fits the character. This is the problem, I think, with working the body part. If you're just doing the same move again and again, it's not being innovative. Mm -hmm. Especially when everyone's been built up for cruisers, which people have seen from Mexico and some of the talent they're going to bring in. This style is not what would be the opening pay-per-view opening Nitro match to get people to switch over from Raw. Yeah, completely. So the Spanish announced team are in Mexico, apparently, and we cut live to them. Later, we learn that this is because of a new relationship with AAA. But it's so fucking funny seeing these guys seemingly in Arena Mexico at the commentary that, you know, they have at ringside with a hexagonal fucking um, ring area or whatever. And it's like, who was it? It was Pedro Morales and someone else. I can't remember who oh, the other ones, but it was it just... Down? Fucking hell, hold on. But it's so weird that they're like, I think it's Arena Mexico they're in. It, it certainly looked like the classic AAA setting, didn't it? Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it's 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 kind of cool to see they've developed this relationship. And obviously we know the luchas that are going to be, be coming in more and more so over the years. And uh, it's one of the it's best things It's good that they, they gave back to AAA. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, let's give Bischoff some credit here. This apparently was his doing, according to him. Of course it was Bischoff. <laughs> Heenan has a great line. The man sitting in the blue shirt is an amazing professional wrestler, Pedro Morales. The man next to him drives a cab in Juarez. <laughs> <laughs> I, he's so off the wall at times. He's fucking great. Uh, Brad Armstrong gets some hope spots in. Armstrong locks in the cloverleaf to Malenko. Oh, controversial. But De yes, don't steal that. Dean gets to the ropes to break it up. Armstrong gets dumped onto the camera up on the outside. Poor bastard. Uh, Malenko with a gut buster over the knee from Brett's rope. Um, let's be honest. I know this is his finish. It doesn't make much sense. 
No. It, it, it looks good. Do you want to describe it? Buster. Do you want to describe it to people that don't know? Because I think it's interesting. I'm not sure just the name of the moves really gets over what you're doing. I mean, essentially, he, he's he's got him up in the fireman's carry position from Brett's rope, as Rich said. Mm. And then he just drops him down. It's, it's like he pushes it's him up shit. over his own head and then jumps yeah. off and kneels onto one knee and then drops the guy onto his other knee. And you're like, why? <laughs> he basically is doing a lunge from the middle rope. Yeah. And once he's fully extended that back leg down to the ground, so unfortunately knee touchings are not a correct lunge, um, just lets a guy fall on him. Yeah. It's like power lifting a guy over his head to fall onto his other leg that's up, 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 kneeling up. I don't know. I describe it as an accidental proposal with man falling from height. <laughs> I imagine it's one of those things where, like, he did it in Japan once to see if he could do it. It was like, oh, big reaction, <laughs> you know. So he's like, well, I'm lifting someone up in the air. It looks dramatic. It's, but realistically, God, that's going to hurt your knee, isn't it? He won't get a huge reaction here. <laughs> For the one, two, three, and Dean Malenko, in one of his moments of expression, tells us, "I'm the best." Towards the camera, which was a nice touch, but yeah, fun match. One of his most convincing promos for seven years. <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, I mean, to be honest, it's a bit of a nothing match, but it's nice to have a breakout from the shitty tag team wrestling we've been watching. No, all I wanted was more tag team inverted commas wrestling. <laughs> well, aren't you lucky? But first up. There's a promo for an upcoming wrestler. Oh, it's so exciting. It's um, Oh, hang on. Fire and ice. Is there gimmick infringement? <laughs> so, good listener. Let's not maybe completely give it away because some people might not know and he might be debuting one of these shows. So, Snow Falls. There are mechanical animations. It's the Yeti! Bl- <laughs> Blood runs cold. Coming to WCW. Ooh. It's Glacier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Glacier, so I'm looking forward to when he actually debuts. It's going to be really fun. Or as I call him, because I'm from England, Glacier. <laughs> Fox is Glacier Mint. <laughs> That's not how you say that. Anyway, so me and Gene back with... You the... don't call it a Fox's Glacier Mint, do you? I'm pretty sure that's how you're meant to pronounce it. Oh, this is outrageous. G-L-A-C-I-E-R. Glacier. This is all scone scone to me. Glacier? Who says that? Posh people like me. No. <laughs> no. One would like a, love a fox's glacier. Daddy, daddy. How do we say glacier? <laughs> no one talks like that. I'm just going to go and bathe in my Ferrero Rocher now. <laughs> Ferrero Rocher. <laughs> Got to roll the R's. Yeah, it's a little bit of Welsh in me. That's what she said. (laughs) (laughs) Me and Jean back with the booby waitresses who were on TV for some reason. Um, To complete this draw for the tag team, the other matches are going to be Public Enemy versus Macho and Flair. Ooh, don't put them in the ring with them. (laughs) That's my first reaction. (laughs) Don't you dare put Macho in the ring with the Public Enemy. Anyway. Don't you dare put Flair in the ring with the Public (laughs) Enemy. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, Flair could take a bump. Like, Macho's delicate at this point. It's 96, bro. He should maybe retired already. I hate to say it, but it's the truth. DDP and Barbar are going to be facing Rick Steiner and the Booty Man. Um, This is also shit. (laughs) Yeah. Pervy old man Mean Gene is not my favorite Mean Gene. Going to throw it out there. 
Yeah. Second it, round it, matches, sacks. Go on, sorry. I cut you off. I was just going to say, it, it's uncomfortable, essentially, watching Gene with a hard-on yeah. on live TV. It's not great. But, you know... I really watched it. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's 96. They've got to be sexy and controversial and whatever. So it's the attitude era. It's the beginnings, you know? WCW created it, yeah? It's like backstage segments. WCW invented that, didn't they? And people weren't doing that in 92. Don't worry about it. So second... WCW with a progress wrestling of America because nobody did backstage vignettes before WCW. Yeah, like Nobody ran wrestling shows in London. Yeah, never happened. Second round. Yeah. <laughs> so Jim Duggan and VK Wall Street IRS versus Dick Slater and blah, 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 Earl Robert Eaton, Bobby Eaton. Uh, VK's in full suit shirt and tie. And I was like, the world is complete again. <laughs> but then he takes them off and I'm like, no, leave them on, you prick. I like the fact he didn't bother dressing up for the first round match. Mm. Um, there's a bit where they show a cameraman filming the crowd and he's going, yeah, everyone do thumbs down. I'm like, kayfabe, dickheads. Boo. <laughs> uh, anyway, IRS and Doug and Brawl, even though they're tag team partners, as the match goes on, IRS and Doug and work together, then Brawl and work together, then Brawl. Slater and Eaton are also here. Um, there's a big nothing. Both Duggan and Slater go down. Slater tags Eaton. Duggan tags to IRS, which is surprising. IRS swings. Eaton doesn't duck, but IRS connects with Duggan. <laughs> You're like, fucking hell, Eaton. Let's uh, repeat that spot. <laughs> so <laughs> they repeat it. Duggan connects with IRS for the second time, even though Eaton did not didn't duck down the first oh fucking hell irs rolled up for the one two three the winners are eaton and slater fuck oh main eventers going through to the main event good <sighs> post-match duggan chases irs irs just kind of walks past duggan who apparently doesn't see irs at all <laughs> like because he's looking for a man in a suit <laughs> Where's that man in a suit gun? I'm going to pull him with his tie. <laughs> I can get away. It's hilarious, man. Like, Doug is just like, where did he go? <laughs> He's literally standing next to him. It's fucking so good. Uh, this was a match. Where's your two by four, Duggan? <laughs> it has no logic. So next up is Randy Savage and Ric Flair, who is accompanied by Elizabeth and Woman, aka Nancy. Uh, versus the public enemy of Johnny Grunge and Rocco Rock. Who booked the public enemy in the same match as Savage and Flair? I mean, more importantly, who booked the outcome? Mm. Matt shows music hits, but Randy no shows. Commentary do a great job of selling, got to say. Flair comes out with Woman and Liz, who is handing out wads of cash to the fans. I'm like, aren't they meant to be the heels? Why are they giving the fans money? They just got the Hooters girls' tips when they passed out with another bit of narcotic backstage. Logic. So, um, Savage Pearl Harbor's Flair on the entrance ray. <laughs> Flair and Savage brawl as security and jobbers try to separate them. A wild buff Bagwell appears. American male. American singular. Male. American male. American male. It's 96. We can sing it. Uh, so, ref counts out Flair and Savage. Thank fuck they didn't do the... Um, Excuse me. So they count out Flair and Savage. And I'm like, just thank fuck they didn't have to get in the room with the public enemy at all. You know, good thing. And the winners are the public enemy. Not the good ones, though. The wrestler ones. The bad ones. <laughs> Not the good ones. <laughs> Takes a nation of millions to hold us down, bro. Oh, good God. Uh, Russo's loving it. <laughs> <laughs> There's no nutshots yet. <laughs> 
<laughs> but you invented walking backstage, yeah? So, um, <laughs> so it's a fun story between Savage and Flair. And hopefully this continues because I could watch these two wrestle and have fun storylines for months, you know? That's the only thing I thought of so far. So all I've got coming out of this pay-per-view at this stage is someone's going to go onto the Great American Bash to go for the big gold belt. And flair and savage will hopefully continue their feud because i i'm not excited to see duggan and irs go at it i'm not excited to maybe see the steiners do one-upsmanship potentially because you know they had a little bit of a wrestle i'm not interested to see lex luger (laughs) who is uh so who have we got in our battle royal main event so far i know we've got one match to go but who have we got we've got dick slater yeah Bobby Eaton, oh, Robert the Eaton. public enemy. Yeah, so Johnny Grunge and Rocco Rock. We've wow. got, uh, <laughs> we've got Scotty Norton and the Ice Train. Oh, yeah. Sorry, main event Ice those. Train. Okay, so oh, it's quite the lineup so far. <laughs> Fuck this company. Ding 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 ding. Self high five. Bang! It's Diamond Dallas Page and the Barbarian Baba. <laughs> Versus Rick Steiner and the Booty Man with the Booty Babe. So, Booty Man is the least energetic, energetic gimmick I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, that, in, in a nutshell, is this. Look at this flamboyance. Look at his charisma. Look at his really, you know, pathetic attempt at energy. It's like he doesn't know how to clap his hands together. He doesn't because he can't <laughs> see them because they're just all distorted. He has stiff arms and wrists, which is surprising, considered. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you put your hands like on the, sorry, put your elbows on a table and left your hands absolutely taut like you're doing DDP yoga. It's got in it. Okay. And then you tried to swing your hands together like the tips of your fingers were touching, but your elbows are not moving. That's how he claps. <laughs> like, that's how what? the booty man claps. It's, he's. Uh, I think he has serious issues. <laughs> Again, bad spell checking in my notes. <laughs> that's how the bootle man claps. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is the moment where they go to go up the ring steps, and Kimberly flinches when Brutus gets near her. Like, oh, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> you smell of sex pest. Yeah, like it's it's not it's concerning. Uh, these two are together because DDP is now having words with his legit wife on the outside be like you're right did he touch you (laughs) it's really funny Beefcake's wearing sex panther in a hope to try and lure her across so DDP flops to the outside and gets tangled up in the camera wires really funny which booty man proceeds to choke DDP with what a lovable face tactic you're using there Brutus (laughs) choking the heel with the camera wire Boo to booty man. <laughs> so shit. Even at this point, where he's just meant to be dumb and silly, he still fucking can't be a face. So Barbar and Steiner dumping each other with suplexes, power bombs. The crowd is absolutely silent. <laughs> Tag shenanigans. Nick Patrick has to cut off Brutus and um who is it? Oh, Patrick shouts, Whoa, booty man! <laughs> at one point when he's trying to stop Brutus. Oh, which I popped really hard for. Just the, the whole point that you'd have to stop a wrestler getting in the ring and be like, whoa, booty man. <laughs> Nick Patrick, the second most over person on this card. <sighs> okay, warning. Best finisher ever incoming. The booty man rolls up Barbar. DDP rests his arms 
over Booty Man's back. It's meant to be an elbow drop, but it looked awful. Rick Steiner chases DDP out the ring. Barbar covers Booty Man. I audibly went, please tell me this is the finish <laughs> for the one, two, three. I mean, pinned by Backrub. <laughs> Bury that booty fuck face. DDP pins booty man off of a gentle back rub for the one, two, three. So good. They bury Brutus so hard. Imagine the creative backstage. And tell you what, Brutus, here's what we're going to do. And here's what will really get you over strong. If I gently caress your shoulders (laughs) with a a sensual touch and then bar-bar pins you, Everyone's gonna. That's gonna be some great comeback, some great babyface comeback for you next week on Nitro. You've got to proceed it with. Yeah, you're not in the rest of the match though. <laughs> like you don't get to work and sell and be in the match. You just get to come in and take the pinfall. Okay, Are you happy with that? Do I get paid? Yeah. Well, I'm fine. <laughs> you can tell what creative happened when Hogan was in a building when Hogan wasn't in a building for Beefcake, and you can tell that <laughs> Hogan wasn't in the building today. Yeah, fucking hell, man. You've kind of almost got to respect his nonchalance doesn't give a fuck about his career as long as he gets paid. He's a top main event drawer. Mm. I mean, I'd, here's a question. Who would you rather have in your promotion, Virgil or Booty Man? <sighs> Wait, so let's say prime characters for both, which is blatantly yeah, Barber in 93, maybe? I'd say Barber when he's teaming with Hogan. What year's that, roughly? That would have been possibly 94, because that's when they were in their red and yellow and he had the face mask on. Okay. Versus Million Dollar Champ Virgil, right? Vincent, the fourth man of the NWO, apparently. (laughs) Could he be the third man? (laughs) No, because he's the fourth man. (laughs) (sighs) Ah, <sighs> fucking hell. So yeah, which one? Which one would you take, begrudgingly, to be your main event star? I hate Brutus so much. He's still better than Virgil. <laughs> Hang on. Do you not remember that main event match between Nails and Virgil? Where Virgil slam. showcased his way to sell for a big man. Ah. <sighs> What's the the what? WrestleMania where he wrestled uh, Ted DiBiase? That was a SummerSlam. Okay, whichever one. Like that. That was a SummerSlam for the million dollar belt. That's not bad, but you're wrestling Ted DiBiase. I'm not sure it counts. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, as a face, taking the beat down for 10 minutes and then coming back and st- not winning the match by pinfall. Yeah. So uh, I showed the finish of this match to my other half. And her response was to go, fucking hell. (laughs) (laughs) Then I was like, how would you describe that? And the word she used was flustered. (laughs) I was like, it's quite polite, really. Um, That was was a proper cluster (laughs) cluster flustered. Yeah, at least they buried Beefcake, though, so it's not all bad. Uh, Tanae is now joining us on commentary tax because next up, is our WCW WCW United States Heavyweight Championship match of our current champion and quite recent to the company, 
Conan, our boy. Much respect, dog. <laughs> I'm gangster. Wonderful, wonderful swimming goggles, Conan. Well oh, done, K-Dog. Mate, totally would. Versus. Oh, hang on. We don't have the rights for it. <laughs> we didn't play it this time. Of Jushin Thunder Liger with his heel manager of Sonny Ono. And I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> it's Conan and Liger. This is going to be great. Finally, finally some real wrestling on this card. Bruh. Jushin Liger comes out and he's wearing black, red, gold and silver. And I'm like, full mm. heel liger this is cool immediately i'm like conan comes out masked i'm like oh, is this gonna be masked conan but he removes it and i'm like oh <laughs> i didn't i've never seen this mask stuff ever conan loving the max moon gimmicks <laughs> still <laughs> commentary tells us this is the first wcw pay-per-view ever to be broadcast in mexico the two tape traders at ringside chant for liger <laughs> liger responds Quite nice. Um, speedy lucha spots, indie standoff, polite applause. Fuck this crowd. This match is awesome. Conan with the AAA on the back of his trunk. So I'm like, oh, it's definitely AAA. That's the connection. Trying to work it out as I'm watching. You know. Although it's quite difficult to tell for most of the card because I thought I'm pretty sure that's AAA on his trunks. Mm. But because of the the picture quality back in 1996, plus what they've done on the network, it's like I'm pretty sure that's AAA. It can't be anything else. But it wasn't. It wasn't as finely defined. No. It's not like it was glaringly obvious. I was gonna unless you were looking for it. I was it. gonna wait to bring this up at the end of the show, but now you brought it up. I swear the picture quality gets worse as this show goes on. Oh yeah, definitely. Because it definitely. started the, quite clean. It's just got it, genuinely the fact that for me to notice this as a as an untrained eye to go, this was fuzzy as and I I don't think it's our usual issue with the network. I just think the quality of the feed must have just been diabolical as it went throughout the evening it's really interesting you brought it up because that was going to be my question was like was it just my network that started to fuck up or my internet because my internet's been a bit dodgy the last week or so um so i'm glad that it wasn't just my internet and it genuinely was this tape uh, quality seems to get worse i imagine that there was a hard copy of this or multiple hard copies of them but either the broadcast went wrong and that's the only copy they've got live or like a bit rate went down or something because these um these cameras during this time and the way they were broadcasting the signal were very vulnerable to things like weather or power shortages or something stupid like that so this might be the only copy this might be the highest quality there possibly could be but um yeah it's it's not great towards the end it becomes not not difficult to watch like the worst daily motion stuff or something but it's uh, it's not the same clarity we had earlier. It's interesting as well, because some of the stuff on the network, if it's a very old show, they've normally got the little thing at the beginning saying, this was this event broadcast in its original form. Some of the tape has been damaged, but we've tried to maintain its clarity for your viewing pleasure or something similar to uh -huh. that effect. Yeah. So the fact that they had acknowledged that this had got, this deteriorates throughout the show and again it could have just been bad luck from both our parts that the quality got worse but it's not like I think it's unlikely. where you're struggling to stream and it's not that it becomes pixelated it's no. just the quality of certain elements or certain shots like i said having the um like the ringside camera rather than the hard cam trying to pick out the triple a on conan's trunks i was like oh, that's a bit blurry it could be like one of their cameras conked out said so to use a shittier backup camera or something stupid like that you know 
there's many many issues that it could have been but um i also wonder with the triple a things you know that they wwe still have to go through and blur out some of their old logos i wonder if that was like a half failed attempt at trying to blur out triple a stuff maybe but who knows? I don't, know. I don't think Triple A would really give a shit. It's free promotion almost, but who knows? Well, you know, they don't they don't believe in copyright in Mexico. <laughs> you know, the louder you cheer, the better the wrestlers do, right? <laughs> Dave the clown would love it. <laughs> I'm just gonna get that in at every opportunity now. So Tanay putting over the Liger gimmick is from a cartoon, but I don't know if you caught this on commentary. He also mentions that Conan apparently played Conan the Rapper on a Mexican TV show. Hello, Christmas bonus pod. Uh-huh. That's literally what I've got written next to that note. So uh, if anyone knows what this show is called or has seen Conan, the wrestler, playing Conan the Rapper on a Mexican TV show, even if it is in Spanish, you know, I think we have to do it for an episode, right? I'll send him a DM. All right. Oh, yeah, he's our friend. I keep forgetting this. <laughs> he's on every one of our podcasts at the beginning. Oh, mate. Oh, if we can find it. Oh, it'd be so good. Hey, K Dog. As I keep sending him pictures of my daughter doing shouting out K Dog, K Dog, and playing with the toy, and he always responds with cat emojis, nice, and cat gifts. Awesome. This is the relationship I have. One of the greatest Mexican luchadors of all time. I sent him a, a video of my daughter playing with his action figure that you got me for my birthday a couple of years ago, yeah. and he responds with cats giving high fives. <laughs> what a time to be alive! Twenty twenty, bro. That's <laughs> the, the best thing that's going on. So Kai, Kai, sorry, Conan and Liger seem to realize the crowd aren't really responding to the fun high spot, high spot lucha stuff. So here's where this kind of slow grappling bits come in. Uh, commentary point out that Conan has patches of hair left on his head in the shape of a K. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> so he's got Ks in little patches around his head. How many Ks has he got? Because there seems to be one on the left side, there seems to be one on the back, and there seems to be one on the right side. moving on! (laughs) (laughs) So he's a Trump supporter. Is that what we're saying? He he was just getting ready for like the the new world order. He's just Conan. Luckily, the stream quality is bad enough that I couldn't quite make out what was going on. So there probably isn't three Ks. <laughs> just add deception. One was a question mark. KK. Oh, yeah. Let's just go with that for sure. So uh, the boys get, um, excuse me, the boys get the crowd on their side after Liger goes for a dive off the top to the outside, which Conan counters into a pair of toes to the ribs. Like, ow, looks fucking painful. Um, couple of false finishes. Liger Bomu. Uh, Tiger puts over Liger. Didn't get the legs over Conan's shoulders. And I'm like, you bloody mark. I noticed that too. But anyway, uh, Razor's Edge, aka the power drop from Conan. Uh, you ain't gonna be using that finisher for much longer, mate. <laughs> for the one, two, three, and didn't he call that Splash still. Mountain at the time? Yeah, I thought was it that was. It? Yeah, but commentary called yeah. it a power drop. So I wonder whether he changed the name or something. Maybe Boom. maybe the Splash Mountain. Maybe the Splash Mountain came along with the uh latter gimmick with the uh oh my god, the Dirty Rascals or something, what were they called? It was was it Filthy Rascals? That's the one, yeah, absolutely. Thinking maybe that would suit that gimmick, you know, Splash Mountain. I wonder if it's just on with Ric Flair when people ride Space Mountain and Conan was already <laughs> there. It's like, no mate, don't want to ride it. It's already Splash Mountain. What? <laughs> the Mexican equivalent, yeah. you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, down in Tijuana, mate. Just get on Splash Mountain. <laughs> I mean, this is the best. Want to take a ride? This is the best best match of this card by fucking miles. I want to predict this is going to be the best match of this entire run of shows. <laughs> it might be. I don't know if we get returning Liger. I'm assuming we get Conan because obviously he's got a long stint in WCW still. And he's got the US strap as well, so he's yeah. got to be around. Such a fun spot first with some logical kind of sporting storytelling. It's uh, Liger plays up the heel a little bit, but not really, you know. It's just, it's really, really fun. It was really out of place on this card. Yeah, way <laughs> too good. So Mean Gene back at the entranceway, joined by woman Liz and the enforcer Arn Anderson, and they introduce Ric Flair. Flair goes, well, let me, uh, blah. hold on, is it? let me be humble for a moment. Is that what he says? And then he tries to it's say, the- <laughs> go on. No, I was going to be a, a, a do a Lance Storm if I could be serious for a minute. He basically just trips up over his lines is what it boils down to. Uh, Flair tells us Macho is one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Gone. I watched that movie the other day. It's pretty good. I don't understand. What is this movie you speak of? <laughs> Rick kisses Liz on the hand and arm and tells Macho to watch from the jailhouse. Flair implies that himself, Arn, Liz and woman are going to go have a foursome. Mean Gene almost drops the mic out of excitement. It's all a bit creepy. But fuck all that shit. Here comes Mongo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, crazy. Great. Flair building a feud with Mongo. Yeah, why not? It's 96. Let's do it. Main event players. Main event Mongo. I mean, Mongo. Flair. Mongo. <laughs> really? What the fuck? It's got main event written all over it, doesn't it? <laughs> it's Ric Flair. It's Ric fucking Flair. What are they doing? They, they've, he's in a feud of Macho Man Randy Savage and they're like, shitty football guy, get in there. I guess it's big publicity so Flair wants to be a part of it, right? Yeah, but is is it worth throwing aside a feud with Savage to go against a footballer and, as we'll soon find in the interview, a footballer's friend? Yeah. I mean, Flair immediately implies that he shagged Mongo's wife, and I'm like, oh, this is great. <laughs> probably has. Yeah, probably. Mongo says some generic shit. You know, he'll give it 110% sort of lines. Uh, Which, again, is, you know, statistically impossible. <laughs> Flair starts to sing back at him. <laughs> Lonely women love great loving to Mongo. <laughs> I'm like, Flair is a dick, and he's really funny. Flair hasn't had to work this card and now he's drunk. <laughs> Would not be surprised. Also, he's about to go and have a four-way. He's about to go and get to play skiing with Arn Anderson. <laughs> <sighs> Flair challenges Mongo to a match. Mongo brings up some football douchebag, Kevin Green. Whoever the fuck that is. Uh, Kevin Green has a rat's tail. <laughs> he's such a piece of shit look. He's now my favorite wrestler. <laughs> well, Kevin Green did. Oh, well, again, yeah. I, I from memory, Kevin Green comes in and has some matches, but he's still under contract, as we got in this uh, promo. Still under contract in the NFL. So I think after he had his first couple of matches, the NFL turned around and go, "What the fuck?" I thought we covered one of his matches at one point. We did because was was it against Big Show? Oh, I don't remember, but I remember he was a wrestler on a show. Well, they also had the basketball guys, and it was like, mm, I mean, sorry, not a wrestler, a football player on a show 
where they had uh you know dennis rodman oh, rodman and, and uh carmelo yeah main eventing the show so it was a bit like oh you got a bit of shine there mate he's a mailman he loves to wear shorts <laughs> i mean he always delivers <laughs> might be a different person who i'm thinking of with this kevin green but whatever um hope we get to see this on the next episode of this series wcw monday nitro number 36 the 20th of may 1996 that we'll be covering next week yuck <laughs> lord of the ring final epic battle royal lethal lottery nonsense bollocks of diamond dallas page versus the barbarian versus scott norton versus rocco rock versus earl robert eaton versus ice train versus dick slater versus johnny grunge Out of main event <laughs> like, talent Ooh, it's about a royal i will literally put a million pounds ddp wins this match because <laughs> who the fuck else is gonna wrestle for the belt this was to get here has been awful the talent they've got in the ring is awful the obvious outcome is awful 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 diamond cutter diamond cutter diamond cutter awful <laughs> you know how when they promote the royal rumble or a battle royal they're gonna have raw or something they're like it's a 30 man battle royal or a 60 man battle royal you know have you ever seen a eight man battle royal dance? It's an eight-man battle bowl elimination for the grandest prize in all of sports and entertainment. No one prepared any spots. And more importantly, again, I don't know if you caught this, one of the wrestlers got eliminated and I didn't even see it happen. <laughs> oh, okay. So I've got written down what I saw. So if I miss it, <laughs> please say, whose elimination was it? Okay. Well, I... I don't think we need to go for in great detail what happened in what a battle mean? Rocks, as you already said. <laughs> there's no well there's no spots. So and the talent is talentless. Mm. Oh, I've got the bit oh. where you mean. So Slater accidentally eliminates Eaton, who smacks Robert Parker. The camera also misses Slater being eliminated. <laughs> that was it. That that's the thing I thought. I I I didn't get it unknown. I got Rocker Rock going over oh. by back body drop. I got Bobby Eaton who said being eliminated in error by Dick Slater. Yeah. And I wrote, via big running boot. And then I wrote, Dick Slater, fuck knows. <laughs> he just disappeared, pretty much. Then DDP eliminates Norton. Ice Train gives everyone a power slam. DDP just gives everyone a diamond car. DDP pins Johnny Grunge. I'm like, what are the rules? It's about a royal. What the fuck is going on? Fuck this company. DDP pins Ice Train King Parsons. <laughs> i've been holding oh, on to I that wish that was true all the way through i was like oh should i no i'll wait till later <laughs> ddp tries to get bar bar as well he kicks out we're left with ddp and bar bar like who were a tag team earlier in the evening? Oh, the tension, the excitement is palpable. Tax. <laughs> I was so excited, I almost spat on a crunchy. DDP kicks out of a tombstone. I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's '96. What are you doing? Bar protecting gimmicks. <laughs> Barbar locks in a devastating sleeper hold. 
Mule kick to the balls by DDP directly in front of the fucking referee. Can he do that, Hebner? Fucking hell. Joey. Are we sure Vince Russo wasn't booking this? <laughs> no, he was He was still writing stories to make stars like The Rock and Austin. Baba gives DDP a brutal fucking powerbomb. DDP is kicked out of a tombstone and now kicks out of this. Barbarian misses a top rope headbutt. Diamond cutter. One, two, three. And Lord of the Ring. Diamond Dallas Page. Fucking hell. Um, also, very quickly, um, and I don't know if this is going to be foreshadowing or anything, they also played up quite a lot that DDP got lobbed over the top rope, didn't they? And touched the floor and pulled himself back up because they made a comment of that on, on the show. Yeah. So I wonder if that's foreshadowing for anything, like DDP is going to be the third man. <laughs> it definitely feels like they're going to come back to it because they show a slow motion replay of it after the match and everything. And they're like, oh, was he eliminated? You know, heel characters like he definitely was, and Dusty's like, I don't know, or was it the other way around? I don't know, whatever. I will be fucking furious if we spent two hours watching this show and nothing comes out of this fucking lethal lottery. DDP did get uh, MJF's little diamond ring thing though for winning. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Did you not see this? He actually got the little ring for winning the tournament. Yeah, and I'm glad he kept it to give to MJF. (laughs) Mean Gene Baxter. Well, how do you find the tournament? It's great, wasn't it? DDP won it. Yay. <sighs> mean Gene backstage with current WCW World Heavyweight Champion Giant and known racist Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart is going to be handcuffed <laughs> to Lex Luger on the outside. Who gives a shit? Uh, sounds very raspy here, Giant. You know, it's... um. Hang on. Haven't we just covered a show where people were, were handcuffed near to each other yeah. in Smoky Mountain Wrestling? Yeah, that was worse, to be fair. Less racism. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Sting's facing Giant tonight. Um, He has to get a line in about DDP because he's finished his script. He then walks off the screen. Uh, Main event of the evening, the WCW World Heavyweight Championship match of the Giant, or sorry, just Giant, with known racist Jimmy Hart. The current champion is Giant. Versus Sting with Lex Luger. (sighs) Sting wasn't as bright as I remembered him being. He was. This is like obviously he he was starting to tease with the the face paint and color for the crow. Mm. Yeah. Wasn't as surfery as I remember. No, I was hoping for a little bit more, but I guess it's ninety six already. That kind of stuff is starting to die. You know, Hulkamania is on the way out. Armor Warrior is gone. You know, Macho isn't wearing bright pink anymore. But, you know, Dick Slater's knocking around, so we're all right. And Ice Train's there. <laughs> ice, you know. One's fire. One's ice. One's ice. <laughs> Sting and Lex just kind of wander around and out to the ringside. They don't really have much of an entrance here. It's kind of odd. Uh, Giant with Sullivan, my son. Creepy Dungeon of Doom music still on his entrance. I thought it was fun, but you would have thought they'd developed it a bit, but meh. He was still part of the dungeon at this stage, though, wasn't he? Was he... I wondered whether he was kind of done with that by this point. I think it was still the tail end of the dungeon because that's what they had with the uh, the alliance to end Hulkamania. So they were still Dungeon of Doom. Okay. And then that fell to pieces when Show beat Flair for the belt. Sure. 
So um, we've got Michael Buffer doing the announcements here, the ultimate luxury player. <laughs> oh, love it. It's like having just that creative force on Football Manager, having Michael <laughs> Buffer there. Unless you've got the players surrounding him, what's the point? Yeah, it, it does make it feel a bit more special. The fans definitely wake up a little bit. They've almost been silent over the last few matches. But they have, as of our listeners, because they're like, another fucking tag match. It's also seeing Paul White show Giant Live is insane. When he walks out and you realize how big he is, it's genuinely just like, whoa. I especially think in 96 as well. And it's against Sting, who's like the ultimate WCW babyface. He is their Hulk Hogan. And so the crowd are going to be up for this in some way, you'd imagine, no matter what. It's their main. It's their main story mm. of their product that they've paid money. Just under eight thousand people have gone to watch this. They must be, you know, fans of Nitro. I know Nitro is still doing quite a lot of comping at the time, but to go to Baton Rouge and just have people, even half the crowd, not know what's going on, it's no one seemed interested. Yeah. Other than Michael Buffer's entrance. Sting does a great job of like bouncing around the ringside and trying to whip the crowd up as much as he can. And it's solid babyface heel at least. So these guys start to care somewhat, more than they did in the last few matches at least. I think that's fair enough. Even like Yeah, it's like someone just turned a switch and they're like, oh fuck, wrestling. Yeah. Even like the bit where Luger's like dragging Jimmy Hart around ringside, Jimmy Hart's protesting and stuff. It's really funny and pleasantly silly, I guess is the best way to put it. The silliness was the the key part of this because I know it's WCW, but Giant had only just won the strap. Yeah. So I I didn't even think that there was going to be any chance he'd be dropping this. <laughs> well, definitely not when Giant headbutts Sting in the dick. And doesn't he know there are pliers for that? <laughs> <laughs> also, oh, can- Nothing like some dick pliers. <laughs> also, can he do that, Jerry? But, you know... Uh, we get a shot of Jimmy Hart trying to convince Lex to join the dark side, which commentary are hammering home. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, boys. Is he the third man? Bobby Heenan loves giving away a bit of foreshadowing. He's he's hating Sting. So we're confirming that Lex definitely could have been the third man because we're three months away from the moment happening. He could be the third man, Tax. I think we have to establish this point in this episode. That'll put some butts in seats. Yeah. Huh. What you got to say now, Bischoff, eh? <laughs> Bischoff! Ly- uh, Liger. Luger. I always made that mistake. And they're definitely not the same. <laughs> there you go. Liger's the third man. <laughs> Luger puts Jimmy Hart on a table. Show picks up Sting in a chokeslam. Show, after blatantly seeing Hart was already on the table, then stops and goes, oh no, I can't chokeslam Sting through this table. Jimmy Hart's in the way. <laughs> and turns Duh. around so sees a concrete floor instead and goes better not drop him on there <laughs> like, so gently puts him <laughs> down you're like what the fuck so stupid yeah, not the fucking bfg mate <laughs> what are you doing sting on the hardest part of the ring gives the ref a back elbow accidentally thinking it's the big show commentary put it over that sting probably thought it was show and they do a quite jo- good job here the story is definitely been floated around to other people you know it was nice it was it wasn't the case that you'd normally expect him to go oh he attacked him he did it he did it on purpose it was a violent attack to take advantage of the championship it was very much all on the oh no he must have he must have thought that was giant absolutely lots of silliness with luger and Hart up on the apron 
Sting goes to give Hart a stinger splash, but Lex pulls Hart out of the way. Ooh, could he be the third man? Tactical error there by Lex Luger. <laughs> he turned up. Uh, Sting's prat falling onto Giant's dick afterwards is pretty funny, though. That was a big show. <laughs> Sting with the splash off the top for the one two show flings Sting into the ref. Ref stands, does a flare flop. What is going on? Uh, another big splash off Stinger, but the top rope. Sorry, it's hard to say Stinger and splash when it's not a Stinger splash because that's all you want to say. <laughs> it's just a big splash off the top rope to uh, the big show again. The Scorpion Deathlock is locked in. Luger and Hart struggle over the microphone. And Jimmy Hart overpowers Lex Luger. (laughs) Bloody hell, Jimmy Hart, you roid monkey. (laughs) So the megaphone hits Sting in the head. They're like, "Um, what just happened? He's definitely the third man. What, Jimmy Hart? (laughs) Choke slam by show for the one, two, three. And still the giant oh bloody luger mm. i i mean it, it, and, and bobby heenan comes there's no way jimmy hart could have overpowered him yeah bobby bobby heenan's just taking the piss it's um you know all the shambolic all the stuff we were saying about the booty man and his relationship to hulk hogan the same applies here it's it's just ridiculous. Luger's mates with Sting, so he has to be in here somehow. And that's it's a little overbooked, like twenty percent overbooked, I would say. But that is generous. I really like Jesus. silly illogical bollocks sometimes. <laughs> it's really fun. You, ne- you need a reason to come back. So now they've they furved the story of Lex and Sting. Because obviously we've had on Nitro the weeks leading up to this that Sting's always been saved by Luger. Now you've got the, was it an accident? Was it deliberate with Luger turning on Sting? Mm. So it's continuing the story whilst keeping the giant looking strong. It doesn't make Sting look weak. And uh, no racist Jimmy Hart is involved in the in the shenanigans, <laughs> which managers are important. As a, uh, like a young person watching this, you would now assume the storyline position you're meant to be in as a person watching is that you know that Luger has turned his back on Sting because there's no fucking way that would have happened if he wouldn't have so if it's how they follow this up over the next few shows which is the important part if it becomes no 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 Luger never turned on Sting okay then it's the worst fucking thing that's ever happened but if he has what, turned- since the tag tournament <laughs> <laughs> but if Luger has turned on Sting and it was all a ploy with Jimmy Hart overpowering and, and everything then it's great storytelling. You're in on the joke, but Sting isn't. So you know something that the protagonist doesn't. So when it gets unveiled to him, you're like, ah, oh, and you get to do all the storytelling towards it. It makes sense. Oh, it does. And I just hope we get a payoff for it because mm, that's the problem. Because yeah. I have a feeling like we're going to watch Nitro and be like, wasn't there a thing with Lex where you overpowered or something? After we got to it, and obviously once we've got through this, we actually go to the, we go to the classic WCW where they go to the commentators to sign off the show and then say see you on Nitro the next yeah, next yeah. week. I, d- I didn't really get anything from the three at the end other than a lovely lovely look at Dusty Rhodes um, 
uh, coyote ugly red leather jacket he was wearing. Yeah, his uh, was uh, Heenan refers to it as a lounger at one point, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but but other than that, so first of all, I thought, Jesus, had we done this as a spot show, I would have been so disappointed because it was just diabolical. Then I thought. The whole idea of this is we're going to be covering the lead up to the formation of the NWO. Yeah. <laughs> and I looked at this card and thought, other than foreshadowing Luger being the third man, oh my God, how many Nitros have we got to watch <laughs> before we get into the storyline? So It's going to be great. Without wishing to spoil it for people that maybe haven't watched it and are just coming on this journey with us for the fun of it. Um, in that match where they unveil the third man, the other tag team are Sting and Savage, right? Yes. Yeah. So they're on this show at least. <laughs> Intertwined, linked together. Love it. No Hall, no Nash, no Hogan. Not at all. Hang on. Who's the third man? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Spoilers. We're going to unveil it over the weeks. <laughs> We're not going to keep that a secret the whole fucking time. Jesus Christ. If you're listening to this podcast and you don't know who the third man is, don't bother looking at it. You must clearly be new to wrestling. Stick with us for the next three months. <laughs> Imagine there's anyone listening to this that doesn't know it's Hogan. Why are you listening to our podcast? I've got a note. Email us at whatarrestlingpodcast.gmail.com. Just let us know. If you, if you don't know that Hogan's the third man, <laughs> just please let us know why you listen to our podcast. Can we really kayfabe it? Uh, no, God, fuck I'd, it. I'm not doing that. <laughs> no, I would have came papers like, well, and then Hogan came down to the ring and I was like, oh, oh. thank God he's here. He's here to save WCW. And then it happened. I was like, what, what has did, happened? What did Bobby Heenan just say? <laughs> <laughs> Why is Heenan ruined the greatest turn in all of professional <laughs> wrestling? But whose side is he on? And I thought to myself, oh. well, obviously WCW. <laughs> What's going to happen here? Oh, it's just ridiculous this is nothing to do with the nwo it's the okay let's do some justification so we're, we're going from silly dungeon of doom into more relationship based storytelling what with gene and the hooters girls <laughs> more flair based insinuating he shagged everyone's wives which We've he has got tag teams ignoring the rules and just beating people up and partners <laughs> absolutely we've got ddp being a cheat little bastard and winning this tournament you know it's it's um tournament is a, is a bold term <laughs> but they're getting away from salomon my son even though they're all still there it's big show is a serious bad guy he's just a badass he's not uh, a spooky monster from the deep. We haven't got the Yeti coming out to do the finish, you know? No, and 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 not do like a three-way hump with Big Show <laughs> with the Yeti. It would have improved the show, but I know what you mean. Um, there's two other things I want to point out just about the very end of the show. When Shivoni is encouraging us to watch Nitro, oh, we will be on the next episode of World Wrestling Podcast. Tune in next week. Heenan just goes, Nitro! <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't say anything else. <laughs> Shimoni's going, tune in next week, folks, to episode of Nitro. And literally, as he's talking, he goes, Nitro! <laughs> he doesn't give a shit. So funny. It's that relationship with AAA. He's just picking up on it. <laughs> <sighs> but um, you know how, like you mentioned, they roll film credits at the end of the episode or the end of the pay-per-view? Yes. I thought that as a nice little gesture to do, we could pick out three people 
for every set of end credits and thank them on this podcast. I love it. I mean, obviously, I, the only ones I stuck around for and kept to was like was Bischoff at the end, where he got to stay on a, a like a, a static shot of his name rather than rolling credits. So, uh, thank you, Alan Sharp in Talent Relations for your service to WCW. Thank you to Arena Booker Gary Juster, and to Joyce Atkinson, the Unit Manager. Very, very popular backstage. <laughs> what a great unit as well. They've just kept it under great admin. Why the well fuck played, everyone. does any wrestling fan need to know who the arena booker was or the unit manager? <laughs> what the fuck? Well, I, I'm going to speculate, and you'll, you'll enjoy this level of speculation if we get this on Nitro, because obviously, as if it's all on TBS and the Superstation, I wonder if people are involved in this as just a television product. Mm. It was part of their contract to have the credit so I wonder if they had to have it shown. <sighs> Maybe. It's dumb. Just, just. I mean, I was going to say fill the time up with more wrestling, you know, rather than this or a promo or something for the next thing. And they do eventually. These credits disappear fairly soon. It'd be interesting to see if it happens in this storyline, but I doubt it. Um, I don't know. It's just weird. Oh, and credits. thank you, Eric Bischoff. Oh, always. So uh, what do you think of the show? Dog. Shit. Yep. <laughs> like Conan was very good. Malenko match is all right. I liked some of the silliness in the tag tournament. I liked seeing LOD beat the shit out of some people. That was fun. I mean, LOD beating up Luger was fun. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, and big show logic of, I cannot choke slam Sting on Jimmy Hart. <laughs> mm, concrete floor. I'll put him down gently. Yeah. It's quite fun. Um, what else? Production-wise, it was okay, apart from the quality going down. Yeah. That's all right. That, it's a good start. It's probably better than most WWE pay-per-views in the last couple of years. Uh, maybe. Although they've upped their game recently, so that's a bit unfair of me. That's an unfair comment. Yeah, they've had some good run recently. but uh, Right. One episode in the books, Tax. Do you want to give it a rating? One cornflake. Yeah, it's not much beyond Room that. for improvement. That's a yeah. good thing. Room for improvement. We'll go one cornflake. In terms of like a cornet meter, where are you sitting at the moment? Let's face it, that cornet meter has gone out of the water <laughs> since we did SMW. <laughs> fuck, 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 fuck me. Yeah. Motherfucker. I'm not sure he deserves a rating after seeing that show and how many fucking terrible gimmick matches he put on it. This was gimmicked to the hilt. On the plus point, yeah. it was only in Liger Conan that I got any high-flying moves, so we didn't really need a murder clown in this show, so that's a good thing. True. Yeah, not a lot of um, high-spot craziness. like Wrestling. Yeah. Not a lot of wrestling. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, a lot of people taking a paycheck, you know? Yeah. Ooh, roll on Nitro. Yeah, looking forward to it. We're going to be doing Nitro next week, uh, episode 36, I think it was. Let's double check that so people can watch along with us week to week if you so choose to, you fucking idiots. <laughs> uh, yeah, buy so a t-shirt. <laughs> buy a t-shirt. Whatarrestlingpodcast.com or Amazon.co.uk. No, you can't. Amazon.co.uk. There's a link on the website. Shut your face. <laughs> Just go to Amazon. Search World of Wrestling Podcast. You'll find our t-shirt. So yeah, the 20th of May, 1996, WCW Monday Nitro number 36 is what we're going to be doing next week. A good age. A good age for a nitro. 36. 
Uh, have you got anything to promote with your various, various uh, outgoings at the moment with your, your heavy-duty workload? You can subscribe to Phenomena Nerds on YouTube. Uh, that'll be good. We're doing a board game channel. It's going to be fun. And I'm going to p- be painting my Warhammer this week, Tex. Yes! Love it. Yeah, it's going to be fun. How about yourself? Uh, I didn't give a shit about social radio because British wrestling's dead to me. So... Uh, follow us at world of rest pod on twitter where we do most of our interactions um and yeah i look forward to never wrestling in this country ever again but i look forward to watching nitro next week yeah sure um uh just starting to think about after we've done this (laughs) three months of wcw uh, i was thinking maybe we could do some ecw and some pwg shows so Lovely listeners. I'd like to do PWG. If you would like to recommend some ECW and PWG that maybe we haven't covered, or maybe a series of shows that we haven't covered that cover a storyline or something like that, please do get in touch at World of Rest Pod on Twitter. is blatantly the best place. It had been suggested to me by a wrestling nerdy friend of mine that we should do Hogan Piper in WWF, mm. in WCW, and then in WWE. Maybe it's it's been. But it's then been we have sit through WrestleMania one. Yeah, it's not not a fun show to be honest. It's not much to talk about really. It sounds obvious. Mister T getting the shit kicked out of him by Piper and Orndorff. That's, oh, it's almost better in number two though, where Roddy just starts shooting on him and punches him in the face. It's great. <laughs> anyway, right. Excellent. The the Roddy Piper Mister T trilogy. So good they only got two matches. Fucking hell. Right. So yeah, three months of WCW. We watch it so you don't have to. <laughs> There's the t shirt. <laughs> See you next week, everyone. Bye. Bye. The louder you guys are, the better the wrestlers will perform for you tonight. And that's why I kicked your leg out of your legs.